Brought to you by Make Fun Network. Hello, and welcome back to another rousing <laughs> episode of Over Under Fair, the final word in pop culture relevance. I am your host, Avril Dan. Hello, everyone listening. That's glad. I'm glad to have you back at, at this, our last show of 2019. I know, man. We made it through a whole year. It's been a big deal. It's been a good year, but we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, sighing on the microphone across from me. Lacey McGraw, how's it going? It's going! Hi! Hello, everyone out there in Listenerville, internet land. Producer Roger on the ones and twos, Roger Castillo. I'm doing very well. <coughs> yeah, I wish December would... Or, excuse me. I wish, like Green Day once said, September ends. I wish December well, would Wake end. me up you when wish December September would end? end? Yeah. Are you, are you sure you're not ends? confusing it with Long December from the Counting Crows? Uh, I was trying to avoid a Counting Crows reference because I would go and do a media bash of that song because I hate that song. But Yeah, the decade, good, the decade brought us a lot of stuff, including a really weird Counting Crows experience. Yeah. Oh. But that's, yeah. A, that's probably a story for a different day. Well, we'll have to I think we told that story. We told that else. story um, on the underrated songs by overrated bands. Oh, did we? I okay. think yeah. we did. Well, I know <laughs> we talked about it. <laughs> if we didn't, you have that to look forward yeah. to sometime. It's, it's been way, way too long. It's been a... <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Roger, leave. Yeah, enough. We didn't bring you here to sing Counting Crows songs. <laughs> Although, maybe we did. Maybe I didn't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's in your purview, and I just didn't check the, 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 the contract when we, we signed you. We, we definitely did. his rider. <laughs> yeah. I get to do at least one Counting Crows verse per episode, well, or I walk. Yeah. <laughs> It's provision. It's like that. Me having white M and M's, perfectly rounded, white all that. M&Ms. And, but Dave, they didn't make an impact on this decade. Like some of the stuff we're we'll talking about not. today. Oh yeah, nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm a professional. I'm gonna make segues out of nothing. So yeah, being that this is the end of a decade, and there is a lot of a lot of emphasis on retrospection and introspection, uh, we we wanted to take a chance to discuss some of our. Uh, our overrated and underrated sort of media decade. You know, the decade at large, we're going to kind of discuss culturally, but the finer points of movies, music, TV, the kind of stuff that we are more or less known for <laughs> in any in any circle that would know what we do, <laughs> then we're going to discuss that. So with the bent eyeing, you know, the cultural impact <laughs> of certain spheres of that. But before we do that, uh, I thought it would be interesting to kind of discuss the decade culturally at large like we are a pop culture you know podcast and a lot of stuff happened that isn't necessarily directly tied to a movie music or television but a lot of it is so i thought it would be i thought it would be nice to start the episode with a bit of discussion about kind of the decade at large in pop culture and some of the trends and some of the things that got us to where we are in 2019 you know so yeah, looking over the stuff that we had, uh, Lacey, why don't you give us our first talking point? Um, I think 
probably the place to start where it makes the most sense is social media. Um, we had social media prior to this decade. I think, you know, there was MySpace back in the day, and then Facebook started coming of prominence a little bit uh, before. I know, like, my first Facebook was in 2009, um, and I wasn't on the train first. So what was it, like 2008, that it, 2007 or something mm. like that when it got invented? Um, but it blew up this decade, and Twitter became, you know, a huge thing. Like, you, you watch the news now, and Twitter it, tweets and Facebook posts are in the news. It's it's become a part of our everyday lives for most people. And I think it's affected pop culture a lot, um, how we share information, how we get our information has changed. It's been huge in that, specifically in that aspect, which is what I think is the most interesting. Like the the speed of news never right. really changed because things always happen. But now the actual discovery of that has increased at such a speed that it's like you are inundated constantly exactly. with yeah. with all manner of coverage of everything. And that is for for good and for ill. I mean I guess I don't want to take too hard a stance on my personal feelings of what those things have done, but I do think it is interesting that it exploded as quickly as it did. Like it was it was like you said, like back in the two thousand eight, two thousand nine, mm-hmm. like the the parameters of what it dealt with then was so small as compared exactly, to a decade yeah. later where it's like, oh, the president tweets. Like oh, it's yeah. it's just bananas. Like the the level of the level of access that we've been given to so many fields and venues of stuff that before was so much more specialized. And I think, too, because, of course, we're not going to talk about current events in, like, news, news, like, world news. But we we talk about pop culture. But it has changed the way we look at pop culture. I mean, the way um, – I mean, you look at things, like, without getting too political, but, like, the way we view actors and celebrities with, like, things like the Me Too movement or, like, exposing, like – shitty things that they've done like information is so shareable now because of twitter and facebook and just the internet in general that i think it's changed so much of how we take in media and enjoy media um beyond that we've also got you know like people talking about uh say you want to go see a movie like you got to avoid spoilers you gotta you know you gotta or you can uh, look for somebody's opinion on it. Like, you know, people people will review it right away. Oh, it was good. It was 10 out of 10, you know. Or it was crap. Don't even bother. So, like, does that change the way movies perform? Probably probably does. Same thing with albums. We've got streaming services now, sharing music online and things like that. I mean, downloading and sharing was never, you know, that was way before this decade. But, you know, now we've got things like Spotify and Everybody's doing their year wrapped now and stuff like that. So, I mean, things have been, it's it's way different, you know, than the way it was even 10 years ago. I could take three takeaways from social media. One, I didn't think in a million years it'd be my day job. It's part of my day job. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 We hadn't even thought about the personal application of that yet. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's, for my day job, they're the constant applications of it all is mind-boggling because People think you're just posting. Well, there's a lot more to it, one. But even for what we do for podcasts, there's so many different ways to share clips now than there was before. It's easier to get the pot. We'll talk about podcast here shortly. But two, it changed. You're talking about movies, Lacey. Twitter single handedly changed that Sonic had to be reshot because oh, yeah. of his teeth. 
because yeah, the people ways... have been given such a wider voice to collectively yell at something. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that's very unfortunate because sometimes it's unfortunate, but it, it works it works both ways, right? right. Like it, it can work in the favor of something potentially where it's like, oh, Sonic the Hedgehog looks terrible. Yeah. And we should redesign it. And then they do, which is nuts. And it also can be negative where it's like, oh, this all girls Ghostbusters looks awful and I'm not gonna go see it. I was like, just, yeah. I was just gonna reference that. Let's yeah. bully Kelly Marie Tran yeah. right off right. of Twitter yeah, because this... we didn't like the character Rose, which she just played. Yeah. You know? It's 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 such a double edged sword, but the power of it can't be understated. Like the the influx of that opinion has become such that it it people People have to take that into consideration now, you know. Well, and it's it, because I don't have to write a strongly worded letter anymore if I'm pissed off about yeah, something. You can I could write just write that up, to the internet. I could just <laughs> like, pick up my phone and tweet at a company. And I mean, like, I've tweeted to companies before asking for help and stuff. Like, I just tweeted to Disney Plus recently asking for help and they freaking responded. Yeah. So, like, that's, you know, it's changed a lot of how we live and pop culture. What were you course. asking them for? Were the, you like, put adventures of, put adventures in Wonderland on Disney no. Plus? <laughs> yes, but that was not what the tweet was about. Where is my date with the president's daughter? You no, bastards. I made it. I made a typo on me. my email address, and they still let me sign up. They didn't like require a confirmation for my email, and then yeah. they charged my card. But I didn't know what the typo was, so I couldn't get <laughs> into my account. So I had to have them like track it down. They fixed it though, and they gave me a month for free. But whatever, they own the world, so they can afford that. <laughs> But the other the other aspect of it too that I really think is I mean besides the childhood ruin my childhood stuff I don't get sick of <laughs> all the time but the oh, other yeah. a, the other positive aspect of it all too is it's become uh, is a new source the, you cannot state this enough that for myself I use Twitter for primarily getting breaking news information on the the sports I follow and that's something yeah. that a decade ago no one knew what to do with Twitter Twitter was just out there. And it's become more refined, whereas Facebook is now kind of receiving a lot of out, outcry, and, and kind of rightfully so. Whereas Facebook used to be a cool thing only to the college people. You only had to have a college email to get in. It was very mm-hmm. exclusive. Now everybody has it. Now there's so many different <laughs> accounts you can make fun of, like the, the couple's account that they share the name of and all that. And that, to me, creates Tab groups. Tab groups, subcultures. Yeah, all these. Tons all, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's where all these subcultures that I find fascinating that there's just groups of people out there in these Facebook groups chatting away about God knows what. Glad you brought that up because one of the things I know Dave and I both wanted to talk about is something that came along with social media, which has been, in my opinion, a delight and also terrible at the same time, but mostly a delight, which is meme culture. So, I mean, now you look at memes now, like what... Where did memes come from? I guess I should have like looked. <laughs> the internet. I know they came from the internet, but I know like they started off like there would be like a few select memes, and now it, it's like they've they're, existed, they're running rampant. They have existed as long as the internet has existed, and even through things like message boards and sure. stuff, when you could you could share images constantly in different contexts to do to do whatever it is you want them for. I think, personally speaking, I wanted to discuss this because I think not only have memes become like a a general source of joy and dismay on a day-to-day basis for every single person it's changed the universal language of how we discuss anything yeah like we have an understanding now that can translate to images that we have all seen sometimes they are just images like literally just images and the the ramifications of that are so interesting because it's it's created an entire way like i said a new way to speak you know where you can you can converse entirely within 
these shared pictures that all of us kind of understand and your your intentions are conveyed like through that almost exclusively and as someone who trades heavily in this like i can say personally speaking that it has created a lot of great things for me yeah. but it also is it's such a weird thing to think about on a deeper level of just like yeah someone said something in my response was like a man shrugging you know right, what i mean right, like, yeah and but it's it's, it's, a, it's a specific old man and you know exactly what it is yeah, i'm saying and he's got a weird look on his face yeah and like, yeah no i know or the same thing with like jeff reacts and stuff yeah and those yeah. are always great yeah. i i love jeff react roger <laughs> huge fan of the of the gift yeah if i can constantly find sending them i was gonna say the more unique the better I'll, <laughs> if, if i can find obscure ones so be it but it's changed because that's how i think in my head i always think of like i know that's what the funniest thing is yeah. like the all of the, I saw a, a meme <laughs> where someone had put, um, you know, before memes, every it was just dudes standing in a circle shouting Anchorman quotes at each other, <laughs> and there is no more accurate representation of the people that's like kind of transitioned this into this because right. a lot of this is rooted in reference culture, which is sure, something yeah. that I have lived my entire life through. It is only now that we've gotten to this point with memeing and kind of how we discuss stuff that i feel like yeah yeah, that i feel like i have finally reached like a full expression of what it is that is like i've i have i have hit that like that is where i am now like yes everyone is this way now before it was like you and your two weird friends and now literally everybody discusses things this way i know i mean we have like there's like older people on facebook and social media now and some of them are like that it's past them it's beyond them they don't know what they're doing but like i have a friend who's i have a friend's mom and she is like in her 60s and she's constantly sharing memes and they're funny like she's good at memeing <laughs> like she's like an older woman like this is how we talk now this is how we express ourselves it's it's really interesting it's an interesting thing that this <laughs> we've come to this so while we're talking about it since this is over under fair uh, real quick, what are some of your, what are some of your personal maybe underrated memes? Like something that either is no longer in vogue, or something that never really got to vogue. Fight me, you long ass bitch, was my favorite one. It was like a picture of a children's book with like a big dinosaur with like a long neck on it, and they changed the title of it to um, "Fight Me, You Long Ass Bitch" because it looked like two dinosaurs. I died. I laughed so hard. At that forever, it was my favorite <laughs> meme. Really good. My all-time favorite meme looks like it came from like it's like an illustration, like an old-timey illustration, and it shows a woman standing next to a tree, like just kind of leaning up against it, and this guy is like coming up to talk to her, and there's a word bubble, and the guy says, "Hey, cutie, what you doing?" And the girl says, "Came here to fart." <laughs> <laughs> And I I don't know why that one gets me every time. And then just recently, I saw one. (laughs) Hold on, let me compose myself. (laughs) This meme killed me. I don't know if I've laughed this hard at something in the longest time. Okay, so it's a still shot from from a Rocky movie. And it's Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Balboa. And um, what's the character's name? Dolph Lundgren. Name? Dolph Lundgren. The, yeah. I can't remember the character's name. And it's Ivan like Drago. It's a shot of him like getting punched in the face oh. by Rocky, and like you know, it's the the still of like a boxing match where like stuff's flying out of his mouth, his head's all turned, and Dolph Lundgren is labeled the halls, 
And Sylvester Stallone is labeled Bows of Holly. Yeah, that was great. I literally laughed at that for like t- You are still laughing at ten minutes. As you can see, I've not yet recovered. And then like two days later, I heard Deck the Halls on the radio. And this is what and this was the result. <laughs> That's amazing. I've never seen you. <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny to me. I literally like could not contain myself. And I was in a grocery store. <laughs> That's even better. Oh my god, you did this in public. With my kid. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess I can play it off like my kid did something, but like he's just looking at me because I didn't do anything. He's just staring at me because he's little. He's only like seven months old. He's just looking at me as I fall apart. <laughs> I was going to say the... Oh, it sure is. I can't beat that. The only oh thing I was going to say is God. the overrated aspect is that stupid... That stupid... Those, the Orange County oh, pointing at the cat or like the, the, the pointing and then oh, the cat. Oh, the cat. The cat. The yelling lady and the cat. I'm so... I, I'm it's so, reaching the end. It's the end of the meme cycle. You're past it. Yeah. You're, you're done with it. My favorite underrated one was the Wolverine... X Men one where he's looking at the portrait. Oh, oh my god. god! I made so many of yeah, those. You made yeah. one of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eating a corn dog. Was yeah, that that, one? No, that it was, was a... like me eating yeah. a corn dog, and he was looking at a picture of me eating a corn yeah. dog. Yeah, or my favorite one. My favorite one too is the the oh my god. they use like porn and they use different like they crop it. Yes. Oh, oh my god! god. Porn. Cropped porn is yeah. cropped porn is close to if not. In yeah. top five yeah, of yeah, like my favorite, yeah, it's, it's my amazing. favorite applications of memes. Oh, crop porn is great. Um, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Where do you go? Um, I'm sorry. No, I'm you're so good. Sorry. You're good. I asked and you told, and that is what we want. <laughs> this is those well played. I mean, this is this is what it is now, though, right? Like this I kind know. of shit can happen so frequently. I had a meltdown. Yeah, I've I've had it too. Uh, the first time, I'm pretty sure the first time I saw. Uh, the cat lady meme, like the cat and the woman yelling at him. Yeah. I had a very sim like not that similar, but a close to similar reaction of like laughing for about five minutes yeah. because they were so clearly from different things and that really brought me a lot of joy. But not that much joy, Jesus. Um <laughs> I I will always and still kind of pine for uh um Doge as like a meme that I have also loved. Like I like that one too. <laughs> it was it was cute and it was easy to do and it was applied in a lot of different ways, so it showed up all over the place and that was fun. Like I, I for liked, the time uh, that it was around. I liked the Ned Stark brace yourself one for a while. Like that it yeah. it didn't get too overused, at least in my circle. So I had a lot of fun with it. It um, still shows up every winter. Yeah, like, brace yourself. Yeah, yeah, winter is coming, but like I I made a bunch of them, like to send to my friends, just to like make fun of people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, with, you know, in in lighthearted, um, making fun of people, not like really vicious right. or anything. But <clears throat> I there mm-hmm. there was a there's been so many of them that have cracked me up. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but that was. <laughs> 
let's not get started. Yeah. Okay. 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 <clears throat> I just, your, your your feelings are well established. I, I'm so sorry. Don't I just, apologize. I uh, <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it now. Well, why don't we change Take the subject? Take it away from me. <laughs> I again. This is what memes have done, though. Like they've yeah, they've created got, a way like, for all of us laughing fits yeah. out of that one stupid fucking meme. <clears throat> but it's fun because like people have found a way to express themselves and generally speaking a way that is like enjoyable and fun like across the entire internet you know this is this is not unique to just facebook and tag groups although that's where i find all my favorite stuff yeah yeah and some of it i think one of the real quick the last thing the thing that i really really appreciate is the super specificity of something yeah so like i'm in a lot of tag groups or in other facebook uh discussion kind of stuff where the the what it is that the general reason you got there is incredibly narrow, you know, like it's Bjork. You right. know? And then, and, and you see these memes or other memes that are then somehow given a Bjork spin. And that's only funny to like the 15 people that are going to think that is funny, but that anybody made it at all is something that I super appreciate. Like the, the more specific something is the better. I feel like it translates, but yeah, we've, we've talked about this. I'm, I think long enough. I'm interested to see like where this is going to go. Like in in mm-hmm. like where do we go from here, right? I think it's just I think this is just established now. Like this is just how we communicate. I don't yeah. know if it changes too much past where it is because it got to where it is. Like yeah. it, you know, after a decade of gestation, like now this is how we talk. Yeah. You know? So it's it's just kind of become another way to communicate. And I yeah, like I I guess I'd be interested to see if it does anything else, but yeah, this is that's pretty what much I what it is. Like I didn't think you know? it was gonna go away. I don't think it's gonna go away. I'm just interested to see like where does this evolve to from here? Because obviously we're only thinking in today's terms. So like sure. where's it gonna be in five or ten years from now? Yeah, where's confusing math lady gonna be in five years? That's what I wonder. She's yeah, still around. Probably still gonna be trying to figure out algorithms. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, I'm right there with her. But we this this has been a decade. It's it's been we another thing that I think I kind of wanted to talk about is we lost like a lot of like legendary celebrities this sure. decade. Yeah, you know it. It kind of comes to pass that for I think people our age, or even any age, that like some of our our heroes got old. I would say even people, people. In all ages, but people directly ahead of us, too. Like, yeah. my parents and stuff. I'm, I'm thinking a lot about, like, David Bowie and Prince. Yes. Um, who else? Let's see. Who else? George Michael. A lot of people that were, like... <laughs> they all died in 2016. I all know. of them in the same a year. A lot of people that were, like, really popular. Uh, Michael Jackson. Mm. Right? Do, what, no, he's he just before. He yeah. was just before, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Aretha Franklin died. Um, I, I can't even think of them Phil all. We just, was it... Philip Hoffman, Seymour, oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. yeah. Sure, a, I mean, lot, a lot of people yeah. died this decade, and it it was oh, yeah a lot of them in 2016 because that was that was a shit that was year. a crap year. Yeah. China also died the same day as Prince. I wanted to give her a shout out. Oh, because that's right. She did not. She did not get the yeah. She to did be not. Born. I remember that. Yeah, because I I went to bed having posted about China dying and feeling sad and woke up to Prince dying. I'm like, yeah. well, that's gonna take that over pretty quickly. <laughs> it, uh, it's been strange also because of social media that this is this has become something that is so much easier to clock like when someone dies now you can you can find so much discussion about individual people and you know from 
from large outlets like a Rolling Stone or Newsweek or anything to your neighbor. Like everybody having, yeah, being there discussing their feelings on these people and what impact they had on them. And I, I personally enjoy, like I appreciate that it exists because it was, it was nice to have a lot of people talking about, you know, some of the greater things that some of these people had done. And sometimes you, you think of things that you, they think of things that you would not have thought of. So it's nice to get right. that. Instead no, of just like a two minute news blurb and then an in memoriam at right. like the Oscars yeah. or yeah. Grammys later that year. Yeah. Not to mention, it's always that you're waiting for the third one. I hate to say it. Some more sure. Oh, that celebrities yeah. coming, deaths the, yeah. coming three. It seems like that, but yeah. who knows? I mean, generally people just die. Yeah. It's, it's people just, are just dying and you could pick it out yeah. where you go. And you, and people look for it. Like, I can't think of a specific example of this, but you know, like someone big will die. I mean, I guess it could, you could include China, like Prince dies and then like someone else huge dies that same week. And then like, oh, and also China. I'm like, well, China isn't on the same level as those people. Right. But, but that makes sense. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. you look for it, you know, or like some soap opera star on a show in the seventies. Like that's, I mean, yeah, technically they were famous once, but I don't know. But that's, that's what, I don't know, that's what it's for though, right? Like we've, we've used all of this stuff to find a way to better communicate ourselves through it just yeah. as much as anybody else. Like I, I feel like the catharsis is shared at that point and it's, Again, I, I like it personally. Not that people I, not that I, people die, but I love I like that it's there, you know. I think it gets trashed a lot, but I love technology. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love having a smartphone. I love having the internet in my pocket all the time so I can look stuff up and get information whenever I want. People will trash it all the time. Oh, this has changed the way we communicate. We can't look up from our phones and shit. And I'm like, Well, we can and many of us do, but it's also nice and <laughs> yeah. convenient. To be able to get directions or find a business or do any number of things on your smartphone, I, I know there's there's downfall. That's a really deep discussion that yeah. we don't have time for. But no, <laughs> there there are ups and downs to it. But overall, I think that social media has been a mostly positive change. We just have to learn how to deal with the negativities of it because it is so new to us as, you know, humans. Right. So we just have to learn how to better deal with the negative aspects of it before, you know, we go trashing, oh, social media has destroyed us. No, no, it is not. It has made things infinitely better. We just need to figure out how to deal with the negativities of it. I I mean, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention, like, social media has done such a... So it's created like a whole cottage industry of content creation. I mean, that's like why that's what we're, we're here. doing. Yeah. Yeah. So between like YouTube and Twitch and podcasting and everywhere that you, I mean, even like Snapchat, Instagram, like all of yeah. these things that have given people, a, people make a living, people, a platform to do this. Yeah. yeah. Or sort of say, or like the unfortunate title that I don't, I, I don't, hate. don't even use it. I know that, <laughs> you, that. Can, you can say it. I mean, you have to say it now. Yeah. But influencer. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I hate that title. <laughs> the passion of a thousand sons, because what are you influencing? And then you complain. Well, that's the thing is they're influencing people. Yeah. Who watch. That. I mean, this sure. Is... But then the, you're going to go out of the way to call out a restaurant and tell your fans to go make bad complaints to a restaurant or a hotel because they didn't give you free something free. Yeah, I mean, some of it, some of it, some of it is insidious. But some of these people are awful. That's why it's 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 interesting because yeah, that's it's changed the way brands and companies do marketing and for a lot of things. You know, because there are people on the internet that have huge followings and they want them to talk about their shit as opposed to being like. Let's hire Drew Barrymore to talk about our mascara or something right, like in that. In a television commercial. In a commercial. Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe we can get this influencer to talk about how they like it online. Or, you know, yeah. it's like that with a myriad of different products. Yeah, content is weird. And that has been, 
that has been a development that clearly we have fallen under the guise of, of people that felt the need or the desire to go and share their opinions about stuff. Right. Like, this is, we're not alone. Like, fucking throw a rock you're gonna hit someone that has a podcast right like, exactly it's it's i'm not trying to laugh it off but i said it on the podcast the only episode, people like, who are impressed with me being on a podcast are people over the age of like 55 yeah and they think right. it's like something that i had to really work for and i'm I like no nah, me and my friends like, no, just we like just walked into a studio we just walk into a studio and like not to undermine what roger does Absolutely and like all not. the editing and stuff like that but they think i had to like audition or something right. and i'm like well i know a guy he's my friend <laughs> and uh we got a microphone and we just kind of yell. Yeah, it's, it's wild, right? Like, it's it's come to the point where I I realized this year, and I'm going to segue this into the next thing I want to talk sure. about. I realized this year that this is the first year that I know I listened or viewed more non-music content than any other year I have been able to track this. Yeah. Like, Same here. Music is, generally speaking, my default lane. It has been my entire life. You know, you I'm doing anything at home. I'm putting on a CD, right? Back in the day. Yeah. I'm doing anything at home. I'm putting something on my phone. You know, it's, it just, that was what tracked. That was always, it was always yeah. music. And then at some point in the last couple of years, it became podcasts. And then this year specifically, I got a YouTube premium account and now I just stream shit all the time. Like I'm constantly watching shit on YouTube. Some of it years old because I yeah. just didn't watch stuff then. And I have, music has become a lot harder for me to like appreciate as as a thing that is constantly changing, and that is something I feel is is worth discussing. That you don't have time to take it all in. Yeah, that's like, how I feel. I felt like that for a long time because it, I've been watching so YouTube much. for a long <laughs> there's time. There's just so yeah. fucking much. Yeah, I've been watching YouTube for a long time. I do feel like my music listenership has like declined because of it. Because I'm like, well, I can't do all these things at once. But yeah, it's like you just have so much to choose from. I didn't get to listen to all the albums that I wanted to listen to or oh, check no, out all the pieces, I. but I also didn't get to watch, you know, listen to all the podcasts that I wanted to. Yeah. You got to carve out time for that. So, yeah, it's there's a lot. It's overwhelming. There's I have a lot the available. I have the benefit. I'm sorry, Roger, real quick. I have the benefit of working <laughs> in a place where I have large blocks of time I can delegate to stuff, so I can spend eight hours a day putting any of this in there. Like sure. I could listen to music, I could listen to podcasts, and it just became easier to not have to look for more music. Like I, I feel bad per honestly, because I, the thing I want to talk about is what I'm moving towards, but there is so much more music that I am not listening to that. I feel a little guilty about it, but it's nothing I can change. Like my listening habits have changed. And now it's, it's harder for me to like retrofit that. Well, part of this decade in the last couple of years that in terms of like podcasts and what have you is that I've been able to, I listened less what I mean is, is that I don't. I listen more. I, I listen more ambience. I don't listen. So sometimes I, only, I just listen to my car, and the, because it gets a little overwhelming. Because a lot of times yeah, I have to listen be. because I'm trying to get better as a podcaster. Also, I have to listen for quality <clears throat> for for the other things I do. So it's like, yeah. After a while, I don't. I can't hear people talk. I just either I'll listen to like jazz or something or new music that I'm trying to find or something old that I could just quiet my mind. Because sometimes with a podcast, I go okay. How many times did I say uh or how many times yeah, but can I talk about yeah. yeah so for me it's a little different but I do understand why it's there is a lot of podcasts you also avoid podcasts fade so that's a big part of this decade too there's podcasts that start and then they fade out and then it's just you have to be consistent if you're if you go more than a year you're considered that's good it's good it's yeah. good that you can go a year consistently without any interruption so 
yeah, I, I come at it at a different angle, but as a consumer, I can I you know thanks to you and thanks to Spotify with suggestions, I'm able to expand my horizons music than versus listening to the same old five police songs and Sloan songs <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with listening right, to stuff you like, but yeah. it is nice to have it. And that is that is the last thing I wanted to discuss kind of in the in this before we do our our breakdown of other stuff. I I think the the most impactful thing that has happened to me this decade specifically um is the changing face of how music is both presented and digested. It has been it has been literally what I have waited for my entire life is to yes. have have the ability to open something and have all of the music at my fingertips. I completely agree. I know that a lot of people have there I will talk to people and they will say like, oh well it's hard for me because like I, I like using like Pandora or something because I I know I like one band and I'll put their name in and it plays me stuff I like. I respect that. Yeah. That's cool. But as somebody who wants to curate and someone who wants to discover that stuff and will go the extra step for me to search for a genre or a band that I heard of but never listened to or something like that, having that ability has been the most transformative thing that I have experienced in the last 10 years. But also having the ability to connect with random strangers who share your same interests and can recommend other things that you've never heard. Like that has been like a game changer for me. And also if I hear a song somewhere, just being able to real quick Google it and pull it up, you know what I mean? There's apps for that too. You know, like, like, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's all been, I think the music thing has been great. It's it's fantastic. So much better for me. I'm listening to genres now that I never thought I would. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. (laughs) I never thought that I would like be enjoying some of these things because my access before this was just like radio, uh, oh, I saw a band that I like, and another band that opened for them was pretty yeah. good, which I still love doing stuff sure, like that, too. That, but like, There's no one saying you can't do if that, If I still. can dig up a gem that somebody talked about on the internet that I thought, like, I respected their opinion or something, then hell yes. I, yeah. Give me more of it, you know? I don't have the damn time to listen to all I of know, it. I know, man. And, like, I wasn't, it, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't even alive for some of the bands. You know, like, I didn't... Right. Really get to I don't I didn't know anything about King Crimson in like 2011. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like an, like unsung like, bands yeah. from our parents' day that we probably really like. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and they're sorry, no, no. Excited. You're fine. <laughs> I you, this excited. is exciting because it's like it's a thing that I don't think I don't think uh, I, I mean it gets enough emphasis obviously, but I don't know if people consider the ramifications of this. Like there is no there is no excuses anymore. Like there, you can find any of this. You know. And if you listen to it and you don't like it, that's totally fine. I'm not telling people that they shouldn't, that they should force themselves to listen to old shit because that you don't have to do that. But knowing that it's there is enough. Oh, music of a, sucks. Yeah. Exactly. Days. I was literally just about to say that. Let yeah. me. Oh, let's talk about a fucking meme I hate. Hold on, give me one second. Okay. If you're going to fucking put a picture of Beyonce next to Freddie Mercury and compare their lyrics, you better pick out a song that's comparable. Yeah. Don't. Don't clip and like type out one of Beyonce's like chorus as it's like fading out of her going but up up love on top. It's girls and is then, the one I always see girls. Yeah, run oh the girls world. who run the world. Yeah. yeah, thank you. And then and then take like the most like lyrically meaty verse that Freddie Mercury has ever produced and put that next to like you're making some poignant comparison. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Back in the days of Queen, there was garbage-ass pop music that everybody liked, too. I'm sorry, did everybody forget about disco? You can ring my bell, you can ring my bell, you can ring my bell. <laughs> no, this this shit has always been around. And don't act like you can't find good, 
rock music right now. It's the internet. If you don't know how to use the internet, get the fuck off of it. Fucking yeah, and, let them have it. Yeah, disco is... I hate that meme. Go ahead, Rachel. I was going to say, <laughs> all disco was was telling you what to do. Dance or... Sure. It's an inferno or something. Just, and you know you what? Know, I'm not even knocking disco. I know. I like a lot of that I'm not, shit. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not knocking either, but one But part, that isn't the point. You're right. Go ahead. There's a lot of bands, if it wasn't for this decade, that... I missed out on like Slater Kenny, who I just saw in concert a few weeks ago. I don't fucking brag about it. Well, I am gonna help brag about it. <laughs> God damn it! I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some of us work afternoons. But but like bands like Her- uh, Heroic Doses and stuff like that, based off suggestions. This decade to me has brought more has broadened my horizons in terms of a, from a musical standpoint, and even for that matter, a book standpoint. Because there's some podcasts that talk about books. That I've never heard of before. Yeah. That I play right into it. And I read something from 30 or 40 years ago that's just as poignant now yeah. as it was yeah. then. There's, there are so many people out there that know so much shit about so many things that it's it's only good that they can bring you more stuff. Yeah, just don't sit you know? and act like you can't find good modern shit. Yes. Like things have gone way <clears throat> downhill. You're just not looking in the correct places. Don't wait for the radio to tell you what the best band is. The radio never played the best band yeah, anyway, man. The radio did. plays what's popular. And yeah, what's popular isn't necessarily pay- bad, or, but or, that's just how it works. Or payola for that matter. Sure, that too. You know, if yeah, you wanna just, if you wanna dig into it, that happens. But it's it's so easy to be able to just stick your fingers in your ears and just say, like, oh, well, everything is bad now. But No, it's not. You're just not looking in the right places. you well, got to dig want a little to. deeper. There's many people that do just not do want it. to. And it's easier to bitch. You know? It's, I know. It's, it's easier just, to complain. It drives me nuts when I'm like, there's so many good bands out there making great records and doing great stuff. You're just not looking in the right place. Yeah. Like, you're not going to find that on, you know, your local rock station. You're yeah. not going to find, like, the best rock and roll album and people want to get mad because they're popular like yeah they're they're popular because it's accessible on the radio to everybody just get out there and look for some good shit and bonus you won't you know if you find a band that's not super duper popular their shows are cheaper and you can get a lot closer absolutely very cool time so just take my advice (laughs) look for shit that's good it's It's wild right because like it's i think the the biggest place that you hear this is specifically uh, like rap has become kind of the more cultural rap and hip hop <clears throat> has become more of the cultural go to touchstone of like what is popular music right now. Right. And I will, <clears throat> excuse me, I will submit I am way out of touch with what is currently popular in that sure. in that venue. I do not know anymore. It has passed me. There are too many. There are too many things. Too many places to find this music. You know, SoundCloud became a big deal towards the end of the decade, and I can't begin to peel through all of this stuff. I know this of myself, and I respect that. I will never tell you, though, that I think that it has less merit than, you know, Nas. Like, right. something that I loved from a time that I was more plugged into whatever it was. It's, it is the access to this stuff that is so interesting, you know. Anyone, I mean, literally, you could have done it before, but anyone can start a career for themselves now, and that is good. That is a good thing. It doesn't have to be particularly interesting to every single person. You're not trying to do that. But getting your voice out there, getting your whatever it is you're doing out there is so much easier to do, and I think it's only a good thing. Like there's There are so many different musicians and bands and stuff that may not have had a chance to do this shit 15 years ago but now that so much is available to you it's amazing like one of my one of my absolutely favorite bands from this decade is hey baby i've talked about them before they are the theme to our show yeah they're a tiny band based in brooklyn and i went and saw them at a show where there were like literally eight people there 
I wouldn't have ever heard that band if I didn't have something like Spotify to suggest it to right. me. And that's a good thing. Like now I'm a huge fan. I've bought a bunch of their stuff. I will go see them again. Like it's it's yeah, it's you, only created a good thing, you know. What? I did You what? gave me a onesie for my yeah, baby. Yeah, I bought you a hey baby I onesie. I have photos of my baby in a hey baby onesie. It's very <laughs> cute. I promise this the show is not sponsored by hey baby. Yeah. I really just love <laughs> Hashtag them. Hashtag not sponsored. But it's I I love that the access to this stuff has become effortless. Like I I don't know why people seem to push against this. Like there is a there's a contingent of people that are like, oh well, physical media is still better because I like having the thing. I like having a case. I like having the sure, thing to carry around. I guess, but that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy digital right. too. And dude, why? Like, I know all of you, man. You guys I, complained about having too many CDs in 2001. Why do you still buy them then? The, yeah. the byproduct of this decade, the the byproduct of that is we mentioned too. Is that you see a trend in some ways good? For example, vinyl is coming back, and vinyl is actually outsold uh, CDs, CDs for the first time in yes. like thirty odd years or whatever. Then the downside of it, though, however, you have that specific specific people who now are bringing back tapes. Cassettes tapes, came back. Ca- yeah, cassettes. Cassettes came cassettes back. Cassettes have never been good. <laughs> They've never fucking good. They're fucking terrible. And guess what? Uh. After five or six times, if you want to rewind something, your tape is fucked. I did not Simple expect it. this. Uh, show to turn into like us just yelling about like cassette tapes blow <laughs> I don't want to go ahead I'm sorry we're basically just like yelling about old people it right is we're the old kind of old people are you yeah. stuck in your time yeah. like, at 38 years old yeah. god damn it I want my fucking tape pl- yeah. I want my tape player I want my fucking big ass headphones my Walkman that have it's... four fucking batteries <laughs> not eight that's what I fucking want I want my goddamn Montgomery Ward's VCR back Montgomery Ward's VCR it's funny because Holy the very God. act of us being old men yelling at clouds is very old man yelling at clouds yeah to us. I know I like know. we are just as old as the people we are yelling at about I, it like it's so fucking funny i i don't i don't care if people still want physical things i actually don't i only care about cassettes fuck you if you I, buy cassettes get the fuck out of i here like vinyl shit. and i also like physical books i don't like reading that's books fine that's on, different like tablets and stuff but i mean i get it you know it's it's out there and stuff but don't act don't act like it needs to make a resurgence like for it to be valid for you yeah like, just enjoy what you i don't know it's just so easy now like i don't know why we want to make it why complicate it why add more steps like we we worked so hard to get to this place where everything is available to you this way and you still want to complicate it like why why are you making this hard just stop making cassettes they're plastic and they're terrible yeah, oh. I agree with that. I don't think I'd ever so, buy a cassette. This again. is <laughs> this was my backdoor discussion on things I wanted to yell about today. Yeah, same. Um, but no, I we all got some yelling. I know. Out. Well, <laughs> before we, we'll take a break, but before before we do, I just yeah to, to put a pin in it. I I have not felt as strongly about good things that this decade has yielded us culturally as the access to music and the way it has changed. Like it is it is great to see the the you know the horizons broaden for it because yeah. it, it's nice that it isn't just monolithic rock is like the thing everybody wants to hear sure. you know it is nice to have a variance and and if anybody were to say that there is not something for you there is it's there you sometimes you just have to look yeah. and counterpoint if you don't want to look for it then don't because you can still find the shit you want to like if you just want to sit down and I don't know, listen to Crosby, Stills, and Nash. It's all fucking available to you. You know what I mean? Like, it's there's no shortage of shit that you also love that is still available to you digitally. It's just fingertips away now. And there's nothing you can tell me I think is bad about this. Nothing. You know, 
I don't know. That's a very personal. It's a very personal you know, thing. Yeah, like, I hadn't actually thought about it, but since you bring it up, I would say that that's that's been like top notch for me too. I I, I I just didn't think about it. I guess like how that that's why has we're here changed. So yeah, I mean that that's been a huge thing for me too. Like I remember getting my first like streaming service, and I was like, what? Yeah, man. There's so much available. <laughs> I had Rhapsody you know, like, when I worked at Best Buy, like in 2003, yeah. and thought to myself, if they keep this up. This will be the greatest thing that ever happened to and music. It, and it turned and, into it. And Rhapsody yeah. kind of sucked. It was good for a little while, and then it sucked. And then more things came, and more things came. And now here we are now. I can find literally anything just in a fucking finger stroke. Agree. And even things I don't know. There's so much independent shit that I'm never going to hear. But it's all there yeah. for everyone. That's awesome. For you to stumble upon. All right, Roger, you have anything to say before we take this out? Uh, I'm just calming down after my take. We all need to take a break. We all need to take a breather. We need to come. I'm going to look at that Deck the Halls meme again to bring myself back up. Um, Yeah. Okay. So then, with that being said, pause for station identification. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. I just want to take a second to talk to you about the rest of the Make Fun Family of shows, including our newest edition, Kitty Cat Paws Cast, uh, Anachronismo, This Rules, This Sucks, and the flagship Top 5 of Death, in addition to us at Over Under Fair. Everybody has a lot of great stuff for you there, and on our Facebook group, which is the Make Fun Network Facebook group, so check us out there and join in the conversation. So if you haven't already, take a chance to check out the rest of the shows and subscribe to them on your favorite podcatcher. And on with the show. Back, we have reconvened. We never left. <laughs> <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. We we're still in the studio. Uh, we are here, as we discussed briefly in the beginning. Uh, the second half of the show is going to be sort of like a list. So we individually have things that we have selected in what I'm calling our over under decade. So we're taking things from the last ten years. Some of them may pre exist before that, but we'll kind of explain that further. Things that existed in our realms of specificity in movies, music, and television through the decade that we individually have found either overrated or underrated. They, you know, we're going to, as you as we go through it, like, we're going to talk about movies. We've all picked one, and some of us, we might be doing an overrated movie. One of us may be doing an underrated movie, although I think we're all we're doing all overrated doing, movies. We're all doing overrated <laughs> movies, and I'm doing an overrated actor. Sure. So, so yeah, this is the... The it's a loose is, outline, guys. Yeah. Just bear with us. It's, it's broad enough that we can cover the stuff that we normally cover over or under, but you know, specific enough that we will be talking about one facet of a thing. So to start with movies, I suppose then, Roger, what is your over under for movies in the decade? So my movie for the decade for over under fair, in, I would put overrated, is Bohemian Rhapsody. Damn, a lot of people just got mad. And I, I look for everybody out there. I understand that a movie like this has never been done before, and Bohemian Rhapsody has a lot of great moments in Queen's history. That being said, for someone like myself who has watched a lot of behind the music, has read a lot of books, bios, and stuff like that, and I'm not trying to make myself an expert on it, but no stretch of the imagination, I thought the movie and all the hype it got behind it. I I watched it twice just to confirm it, and. Some of the scenes in the movie, the iconic scene in Live Aid, 1985, happened the way it did. But 
just the, the way they came up with the songs was just really cheesy. Mike Myers' character, the record producer, thought the song was for um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody, Rhapsody, Rhapsody itself. Title, well, yeah, yeah, it was gonna be. It was too long, and then that narrative didn't even exist in real life. It just seemed way too convenient, and it didn't. I don't think it covered Queen the way I I think in my head, and I, and and also at the same time, I think it's you can barely see like you and I talked about the Rocket Man movie. Which yeah. was done as a musical. It was done completely The Elton different. John biopic yep, the, uh, from this year. Yep. And I just think that all the hype about Bohemian Rhapsody, to me, as a, a big fan of Queen as it is, it just didn't hit the mark for me. I didn't, I didn't think it captured Freddie Mercury, his mystique, what made him Freddie Mercury a little bit. I think it just it, it skipped over quite a bit. And Brian May, who had a lot to do with how the story was narrative, when you have your fellow bassist tell you know, when you have your bassist, John Taylor. John, or no, I thought he was a drummer. Roger Taylor's a drummer. Oh, right? Deacon, sorry, yeah, John yeah, Deacon. Yeah, John Deacon. Want nothing to do with this? I think that's a sign to me. So, I think it's overrated. I think it's just it's a movie that it's more fluff than substance, and I don't, I don't get it. I think I, that's. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I I watched the film and I enjoyed it enough. I guess I I guess for me it was more just like seeing. Queen performances and stuff, and this depiction of Queen on my television screen, um, in that way. But I will admit that I, you know, I consider myself a fan of Queen. I really like their music, but I've never done any sort of like deep dive into the story of Queen. So I don't really know a lot of like what happened behind the scenes during like albums or how they came up. You know, I because Queen. All of their songs pretty much existed when I already and were already sure, out there when yeah. I started listening to music because they were before my time, so to speak. And that's just one band that I never was like, oh, the story of Queen, you know, didn't get behind the music, like you said, Roger. So um, I did know that it was a lot. Of, they took a lot of liberties um, for that movie, but I would not be able to decipher when and where they did. So I guess. I mean, I can see how you thought it was overrated. It it got a lot of attention. I'll say that. And, you know, whether or not it was deserved, I can't say because I don't know, like, the true story, if you will. That becomes sort of that becomes sort of the biggest problem with biopics. Yeah. Is that for the sake of, you know, the ease of storytelling and for the sake of time, because you can't make every movie 15 hours long, you have to truncate stuff. So the... Like Roger touched on, the Mike Myers character is sort of an amalgamation of like four or five different people that all existed in different ways, yeah. but they made him one, they character. Roll them one character. And that that makes sense from a storytelling perspective. Sure. That's fine. the The danger in doing stuff like this, though, to for the ease of the storytelling, is that a lot of people, you know, I wouldn't. In this case, I knew a bit more about Queen before I saw this movie. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people will not know this stuff. And yeah, you're not supposed they're presenting to presenting like, it as if it's fact. Right. And there's there's a lot of it, this is true for like Walk the Line or for Ray, you know, about Ray yeah. Charles. Like all of these movies, you're coming in under the supposition that you know who the person is, but you don't really know everything about them. Because generally you don't. You know what yeah. I mean? I couldn't say that I knew everything about Queen before I watched this movie. I did know enough to know that some of the things that are presented in this movie are presented with a bit more of a a bit more of a tinge towards favorable for the band, you know? And, like, that's fine. It's expected. The, the band, Brian May specifically, is involved heavily in the production of this movie. So there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things you have to walk around where you don't want to paint people negatively and you don't want to present things exactly warts and all because you're right. trying to play down some of the worst stuff. Yeah. Or in the case of, like, Freddie Mercury specifically, you're not going in as far as, like, his 
as far in on things that were more defining of him, like his sexuality and sort of some of his views on things that aren't discussed because they were important to him and important to what he is. But for the sake of a movie, we don't want to talk about like his sexual openness, the whole film. So we don't, you know, and like parts of that are a disservice. It's like, well, that's not really giving you a clear picture of who these people are supposed to be. And the thing that, the thing that I find most galling, I'll, I'll be brief about it is that it's, this movie, much like many biopics that are structured exactly like this, mm-hmm. they're fan service. You know, I'll use Straight Outta Compton as like the best direct example of this. I was going to bring up Straight and Outta Compton. I love Straight Outta Compton, but it feels like a movie that is, it's almost looping to through through being too serious to being kind of comic in the way it's presenting some of this stuff. Like where they're sitting around and they're like, oh, we got accosted on the street by cops. Let's write fuck the police. Like that's, it's like direct one-to-one-A right. comparisons to how things happen when that's never the case. Um, what's This movie trades really heavily in that, though, and like the nostalgia of showing the recreated Live Aid performances. That part is cool. I can't take that away from the movie. Like It's neat to see it painstakingly recreated to show exactly how that went down. Right. But we're doing a lot of that here. Like, we're, oh, well, this is where we wrote Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, this is where they sang We Will Rock You. Like, we're we're just showing check marks across their career of stuff we we saw it like it, maybe you weren't alive to see it but if you you've knew about seen, queen you've I've seen, seen it. all these things you know? yes yeah. so seeing it again with other people doing it is like okay now an actor is doing it like, right it does nothing for me personally i don't need to see someone pretending to be queen like that's cool that you did it but i don't know tell me anything else about this band i know they played live aid do something cooler like it yeah it does it feels like it's scratching at a surface of a, a more in-depth thing and it never gets down there like i and it's sloppy. It's like I I kind of went on went in on this on Blade Runner when we talked about it. The mm-hmm. editing of this movie is fucking awful. Like oh, in yeah. in the middle of conversations where the cameras just jumping all around and like the the dialogue sequences feel all awkward when they're sitting around at like a table talking to each other and you're jumping from one person's perspective to another and the the, the audio doesn't feel like it's syncing yeah. up right. Like it feels like this was like edited real quick, like slapdash to get the movie out in time and it shows. Like the movie feels amateurish in a lot of ways and you deserve better like for a movie for a big budget movie about a outsized personality and band like queen you should pay attention to that shit and it's just messy it feels that like the whole movie feels like that it's a nitpick but it's valid like this movie got a lot of praise for a lot of things and it's not good like just a form form and function of what a film is it's not a good movie you know this is wholly on how you feel about queen and if you love queen you probably love this movie if you like Queen but also want to see a good movie, you probably didn't like this. And Roger kind of feels like you are there. Yeah. And the, before we move on, too, it's just I, you talk about the editing, too. Even just the idea of the like the, the parts that were rushed to me were how the songs were created a little bit. But just it just seemed like even that they were focusing on getting that shot where they're the clap. like the, And I even looked off to me. I'm like, what yeah. the hell's going on? And, but, you know, uh I guess it would bear mention uh, the performance. Uh, Rami Malek won an Oscar for this movie. Yeah. Was he good? How do you feel about his portrayal of Freddie Mercury in this film? I think Freddie Mercury. Was, I think. I think Malek did a. I think he did a good job. I think, however, I, I think Freddie Mercury. Maybe we, we will not. I mean, can we see on interviews how? charismatic he was i thought he did a good job of capturing his his attitude his a little bit but i thought as he got older a little bit it, it didn't didn't really i don't know it just didn't 
as Freddie Mercury got older, he was more vocal, and, and it just seemed like he was kind of it was. It seemed like his confidence, like his confidence, wasn't there, and it was that's true in real life. But I, I thought that, I thought Ra- I thought Mally would get bigger as the movie right. went out because that's how Freddie was. He was right. bigger than life. And he was he, an outsized personality, right? And he didn't. I don't think he did a really good job of playing him, but I don't think he captured how big. Comparatively speaking, I totally agree. Because comparatively yeah. speaking, to Elton John's or the, the gentleman, who yeah, Taron Edgerton, yeah, who did a fan. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think I think he's. I didn't see Rocket Man. Yeah. Rocket Man is great. I should probably yeah. see it. Rocket Man is great. I I I believe it was critically well received. I feel like it was kind of the same with Bohemian I've Rhapsody. I've heard like nothing but good things about it, but it just didn't get the attention that Bohemian Rhapsody right. got. Right. Well, because Freddie Mercury's dead. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. Because Elton like, John's helps. still yeah. out there. Yeah. He's still having doing his it. third yeah. fi- farewell yeah. to right. right now. So I the the original casting was Sasha Baron Cohen, Borat. You know, and Ollie G yeah. was supposed to be. Yeah. Freddie Mercury in this movie. I really wish that would have happened. I was about to say, I, yeah. I kind of feel like would've that would have been, been better. Like, I think it would have been better. As much as we think of like Sasha Baron Cohen as being like clownish, like he he is an outward personality. Yeah, he has himself. that presence. Like, he, he has, has the presence. He's yeah. big yeah. in a room, you know? Not to mention, he did this, this movie on Netflix recently that he was playing a serious role and he did a really good job. He, he, he puts himself, the way he immerses himself in any character he does is above and beyond. So yeah, and he's I, really good at not breaking. That's no, for I know sure. it's a it's a bummer that this is what we ended up with. Also, it was directed by Brian Singer and fuck him. Yeah, fuck, yeah, fuck that douchebag. So, all right, anything else you want to say about Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, we can move on. All right, but overrated Bohemian Rhapsody, one hundred percent. Lacey, yours is a bit wider. <laughs> yeah, I'm you want me to go to... next? You want me to go no, next no. real quick? I'll, I'll knock mine out. Go ahead. Okay. Well, we'll give you a bit more time to stew on what you have to okay. say because yours is a bit bigger. Okay. So I also picked a movie. Um, individually, and it is The Social Network, uh, released in 2010, directed by David Fincher, and written by Aaron Sorkin. So, <laughs> I I don't know if I've talked about it a lot on this show. I feel like it may have come up at one point in my time I here. Think, I think of one time, that's it. It was Maybe. very, very f- like a few minutes. That was yeah. Like. Oh, actually, I think it came up when I talked about A Few Good Men, because Aaron Sorkin also yeah. wrote that. So I, generally speaking, really do not like Aaron Sorkin as a screenwriter. I think it... I think his material tends to be a bit heavy-handed. He writes people in a way that is super unnatural and doesn't feel like I'm listening to people have real conversations. It feels very Hollywood or very manufactured. And this is like a knock that other people get to. Like, you can stylize the way he writes stuff. Look at Quentin Tarantino, for fuck's sake. But that, for some reason, is much more... I appreciate that because it's going for, like, a thing where it's like, oh, I'm writing everybody to sound cool. But... Aaron Sorkin isn't writing everybody to sound cool. He's writing everybody to sound like the smartest guy in the room. And when every single person sounds like they know everything more than every other person, everyone just sounds like an asshole. Is that potentially because Aaron Sorkin thinks is he's always definitely the smartest, that person. smartest yeah. guy in the room? Yes. So yeah. that translates. It's what's weird, too, is he wrote Sports Night. He wrote a lot of episodes of Which also fucks Sports Night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's one of those uh, overrated shows of all time. But it's so un- He's so unbearable. What, yeah. like, what was it I didn't hear? Sports Night. Oh, I don't know. It was a very short-lived show about like an ESPN show, but everybody talked like Wasn't Aaron Sorkin. Wasn't there one, too, called The Newsroom? The Newsroom. He also yeah. wrote The Newsroom, where everybody talked about... The news, like he Aaron was in Sorkin. some trouble for being like um, a turd. Yeah, wasn't he? I don't. I He's don't... always kind of in trouble for just being a brusque asshole. Like right. that's a thing that kind of follows him. And I don't know. There are a lot of people that think that this is not true of him. But I just, I think he is wrote like he's the kind of a one note kind of writer. And I don't, I don't like it. Apart from that, I love David Fincher. I think he's a wonderful director. And I think this movie has a mood and it has a tone. And it has very much the formulation of what 
David Fincher would want to make as a movie, and I think he stands by this. Like, I think he appreciates what he did with this movie. I can't watch it, though. Like, it's... I don't... And I know this is the goal, but these characters are all awful. Like, top to bottom. No one is sympathetic or enjoyable. or Like, you're not supposed to. I respect that. Yeah. But I can't watch a movie, though, where I'm constantly inundated with people I hate. Like, everyone. And that really makes this movie difficult to watch. I agree with that, yeah. Um... It is what I will give it credit for is that as this is in 2010. So as we discussed earlier about social media and Facebook specifically, it was it wasn't quite what it would become, but it's right on the cusp in 2010 of becoming as insidious and Mainstream. all-consuming yeah. as it has become. This movie is definitely poking at that. Like the ramifications of what they are detailing of what Mark Zuckerberg is trying to put in place comes to pass. Like I in a in a great moment of like hindsight them, him standing in the like the control center and looking at like a screen with all of the user numbers constantly adding, like going higher and higher mm-hmm. of all the people that are installing Facebook and all that. Like it is ominous and very appropriate. Like they nailed that on, they hit that right on the head. And for that, I commend them. This is definitely a trend they saw coming from a mile away, and that is the reality we live in now. That being said, I don't like any of the performances in this movie. I. Jesse Eisenberg was given a lot of praise for his like robotic weirdness in portraying Mark Zuckerberg. That may bear to be true. Mark Zuckerberg is a lizard I, person. I feel like we found out as time went on that that's also just just that's Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg. Eisenberg. Yeah, he's like, also a lizard. Person. Yeah, like so. that is just his his mode. Like that is that is his lane, and he stays in it. Yeah, and that pretty much set him up for his exact performance as Lex Luthor, Batman versus Superman. Oh yeah, because he's Lex Luthor. I forgot about yeah. that. Don't yeah. get me fucking started on that movie. I, can I change my movie? Can I just be? <laughs> No, I'm no, 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 but I'm like, kidding. I hated that movie so much, so fucking much. All right. The the robotic part, you're absolutely right, but it, it Eisenberg in in some ways shape or form has played that character in some like in some capacity. I mean, except for maybe well, even Zombie a little bit to a certain extent, but he's Oh more, yeah, he's yeah. he's this all the time. Yeah. It's, just varying shades of this. He's either likable or affable or just terrible. The the reason Zombie Land works is because you've got fucking uh, Woody Harrelson opposite of him yeah, and dialed Stone up to and fucking 11 yeah. and just doing ridiculous shit and it's it's like oh isn't it hilarious that he's bouncing his robot voice off of fucking <laughs> Woody Harrelson yeah. I had to room you know what yeah. I mean uh, Tallahassee or whatever his yeah. name was so that's why that works but a real actor yeah. Woody yeah. Harrelson the, the one thing about this movie too that and I saw it 2011 so it's been a long time I should have seen it again but I feel like it was one of those like it because it, Sorsen, um has this. He's from New York, so it has that definite New York vibe. Like Woody Allen, I guess, would establish the, the New York vibe to it. But it's, yeah. I mean, it's based in Harvard, which is East Coast. But I don't know. It just you're right. I can't rally around these characters at all. Even the twins, the twins were just it's just deplorable. The Winklevi, yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> Winklevoss twins, the, yeah, Winklevoss twins. Yeah, but it just has this it has a. Played by one person, but still. Played by Army Hammer. Yeah. Great name. The most punchable face. <laughs> it just has a still. East Coast. I don't know. I can't. I'm describing it terribly. It just it feels like it doesn't. For anybody listening on the East Coast, I apologize. It just seems. I don't. I, I don't. Rule, take I, your I, East Coast bias. I don't. Shove I, it up I, your ass. Yeah. We're, it's a yeah. What that, up? Make fun network. Yeah, yeah, shout out Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Boston. Shout out, shout out our network that we're on. Yeah. Shout out uh, all the Harvard graduates out there. No, I, it just feels to me like a. It, a world I can never relate to, and it doesn't make yeah. it relatable to me at all. Sorry. Here's the thing about it, though. This is the the constant, the one thing I always get in pushback and people that defend this movie. It's the point. Like they, 
people just say that to me. Like, well, that's what it's trying to do. That's what it's trying to do. You're supposed to hate everybody. You're not supposed to feel sympathy. You're, they're telling a story of, you know, ennui and dread and, like, all this shit. Granted, they may be doing all of that, but it still isn't good. Like, I, I just don't like this movie. I think it is not good. And there's, I wouldn't feel as strongly about it if I wasn't seeing everyone talking about end of the decade stuff and it's on the top of everyone's list like it's one of the best movies of the decade it's one of the best movies of the 2000s it's important it's been it's been put in the national film registry which is like the end-all be-all of where you put things in america like to define its importance i was so glad when you picked this movie because i forgot about it because that's how little i gave a fuck about it (laughs) now i have to tell you that when the first time i watched it i thought it was interesting to see how this story unfolded at least how it was presented in the film. We both picked biopics. That's weird. Because I, just <laughs> I, uh, I had, di- I didn't really know. I didn't really know like the story of like I knew who like Mark Zuckerberg was and stuff, but I didn't really know that he, the guy who uh, invented Napster, yeah, um, was like in school. I didn't know that they like knew each other, and so I didn't know any of this. So watching the story unfold was interesting to me, but I do not understand why this movie gets so much praise. I just don't get it. It's To me, it's like a movie that I watch. I would never go see it in the theater. I watched it, I think, when it came on HBO um, on like a Sunday night when I had nothing else to do, and then that's fucking it. Yeah. I never think about it ever again. I don't understand how this movie gets so much praise. It was fine to me for that yeah. one watch, but hearing people talk about it the way they do, I'm like, what am I missing? I don't. I don't I, know. And I, I just again, don't get it. I like a lot of the people involved in this movie. I love David Fincher. I think he's an excellent filmmaker, and this movie feels like a David Fincher movie, right up to sure. the fucking Trent Reznor score, which is also super overrated yeah. for this movie. Trent Reznor's great. Trent Reznor does great things. Him and Atticus Ross, they score a lot Atticus of awesome Finch. stuff. Ad- I'm sorry, Atticus Finch. No, but that's I was right. That's from fucking Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. I just realized as yeah. soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, no, no, yeah. that's uh, that's, yep. that's not that. Okay, so it is Atticus Ross. Atticus Ross. So right. like I I sorry. like their working relationship. All these things are true. None of it works in this movie. It is dull. It is boring. It is gray and all way too many times. It's it feels just, it feels like the the um color scheme is that stupid facebook blue yeah it is it's just like a washed out facebook blue uh this movie is just like this movie is like watching a nap and that's not fucking fun you know like i don't know so i i have no time for this fucking movie and i will never understand why people think it's so good i don't either and i mean me being you know my is my part of my day job i found him like okay i could read that in a bio and wasted an hour and a half on my yeah. i'll never get back but well, there we are. So that's that was my submission for Overrated. Uh, it was The Social Network. Uh, moving on, Lacey, yours is a bit more abstract. It is. Um, so I've talked about it many times on this podcast before, but I'm not like a huge movie watcher. Um, when Dave and Roger start talking about editing and stuff like that, I'm checked out, man, because I, I don't pay attention to <laughs> shit like that. No, no, that's okay. Like, please do. I'm glad that you know about these things and you notice these things, but it's... I just don't watch that many movies, if I'm being honest. But somebody who... I chose an actor, okay? I chose an overrated actor, and my choice was Bradley Cooper. Now, Bradley Cooper um, had his breakout role um, in 2009 with The Hangover, so it was a little bit before the decade. But he came into the decade on a high note. Yeah, Yeah, he came in real hot. Um, I'm not gonna like go through his whole career or anything. We 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 do whole episodes just on a single actor, 
So I'm I'm not going to go that deep into it, but I'd say like his first blockbuster or like popular hyped movie of the decade was in 2010 with the A-Team. Did either of you guys see this? Oh, yes, yeah. I did. I yeah. actually love the A-Team. I saw I this movie. movie. I really liked it, too. I thought it was a nice, lighthearted action romp, which the A-Team is. You know what I mean? Yeah, so totally. I thought it was a good recreation It's of total it. popcorn bullshit, and it's great. Yeah. For I, I enjoyed it. And he was fine. He played the tan guy or whatever. Face. Face. Yeah. And then... 2011, you see him following up with like Hangover 2 and stuff. And Limitless, I think, is that. Limitless. Too, which, which is where, I, where I'm kind of coming with you two. Like, yeah, okay. Limitless is dumb. He, <laughs> he picks up Steam, uh, Place Beyond the Pines, Silver Linings Playbook. Um, yeah, don't even get started on that either. <laughs> I don't understand the. Yeah. American Hustle. And then. Should have been better. Yeah. Mid decade, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Which is great. And he is great in, like, all things being fair. Yeah. I. I was just going to say, okay, so here's my problem with Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper is like a huge star right now, and people will put him in movies all over the place. He's always trying to do these roles that are like super like serious, and these like, he's he's in these like character studies. He portrayed this Chris Kyle guy in American Sniper. Mm -hmm. He got a lot of praise for that. Um, I never stop seeing Bradley Cooper in right. his performances. Yeah. Like, he is always Bradley Cooper to me. No matter what he... The only thing that he's not Bradley Cooper to me is when he's Rocket Raccoon. Because he's <laughs> fucking Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. And you can't even tell it's his voice anyways. Like, if, if, right. if I would have saw that movie not knowing that that was Bradley Cooper, like, I thought he did yeah. really good voice acting work on yeah, that. I thought this was, it was a good, good job. He's exceptionally good. You're right. I, I love that role. I think it's super fun thing for him to do but i would like to see him as an actor do more shit like that where he's doing like off the wall stuff that you know or go back to doing goofy comedies like the hangover i think he's deliberately moved away from that I like know, that was a choice you I know. know he he did the hangover and it made him super popular and he's like but i am an actor right and but then i was in, I was but in an I'm episode sorry, yeah. i don't think he is an actor well yeah, yeah tell I that to him do yeah. not think bradley cooper is an actor he's and an academy award nominated person i understand three years in a row he's yeah. direct tried to direct himself to yes, an academy he, award man he tried Star's so board. hard he was really angling was for real that close. shit. Yeah, I know. But I just, I don't know. What What are you guys' thoughts? I just think he, it, it, to come out of the decade, like, mm-hmm. to start off with The Hangover and for him to turn into this movie star where he's doing all these, like, serious roles, like, I just feel like there's a million other people out there that could fill all these roles better. I agree with you. I I also have never really understood the appeal of Bradley Cooper. I don't, I don't necessarily dislike him in things, but he is never the reason I like something right. ever. Um, and the movies that he tends to be the vehicle of the movie, I do not like. Like American Sniper is, I do not like American Sniper. I there are more problems than just Bradley Cooper, right. but I don't like him in the movie. Limitless is dumb. It could have been fun, but it's dumb, and he's not good in it. American Hustle should have been way better than it was, but it's just okay. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook is vastly overrated. I yeah yeah. Same. I mean, and I that's know, I feel the same way about it. When we first conceptualized doing this show we put jennifer lawrence on the board of someone to cover at some point and we may still so i i will reserve talking about this movie they've at worked length. together a lot yes yeah. i will reserve talking about this movie specifically at length but this whole movie is overrated silver lines playbook i agree um, i i think a lot of his performances are extremely no overrated. I, I agree because I, I, I just cannot stop seeing bradley fucking cooper or that guy in wedding crashers he was in wedding yes, crashers he was. 
that's that's the role that he will forever be to me. The douchebag yeah. prep what was role? It? Shep or yeah. what was his name? I can't, I can't even remember. Yeah, remember the, prep, the prep douchebag guy. Yes, he yeah. was Rachel Venture McAdams. capitalist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> boyfriend, and he was a turd. You know he's an alias, too, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. I remember being on alias. The, yeah. I remember seeing that guy and being like, who is this, this, side, this sideways face motherfucker? He shows up a lot in these episodes. He was Will on Alias, uh, and he was pining after Jennifer Garner. All my Alias heads out there, shout out. Um, all two of There's you. There's four people. Yeah. Like, Woo! Uh, yeah, and that was, I remember seeing him then and being like, well, this guy's never going to do anything, some jamoke. And then, like, five years later, he's literally everywhere. So, yeah. I mean, kudos to him for pulling it off. I, I just don't understand it. Roger, what do you think about Bradley Cooper? You know, the idea that him being trying to be a quote-unquote actor cracks me up, too, because now there's always... A picture of him trying to solve the world's problems in Europe, and he's on a boat with Oprah somewhere. Which, like, <laughs> dude, you definitely, you're definitely doing the glass, sniffing your own farts in a brandy glass, not a regular glass, folks. A on brand- a boat with Oprah needs to be someone's record title. Yeah, on a boat with Oprah, sniffing <sighs> farts in a brandy glass because you let you let it simmer a little bit and you round it around. And, but no, I is that a primitive radio god song? Yes. The whole title <laughs> on a boat with Oprah, sniffing your farts in a glass while <laughs> in a brandy glass while you simmer it around and around and around. Anyway, anyway, uh, the the see for Bradley Cooper, I think that he, what you guys said is correct. It's Bradley Cooper playing. I I still haven't seen a Star Is Born. I haven't seen that yet. I got a lot of feelings about a Star yeah. Is Born, but I saw him pining and saying like he wrote the, like he was saying I did all the music and that and like congratulations, man. You're not the first. Director, writer, all that. Congratulations. I don't care because there's other people out there who've done it. Somebody you work with, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he's done a lot of his own stuff. So I don't like his own Barry Horowitz pat on the back stuff that he does to himself <laughs> all the time. And I'm really that's the part I don't like about Bradley Cooper that you shouldn't be your own cheerleader. It's okay to be confident about yourself. I'm not saying that, but no, absolutely. But at the same time, he acts like he works harder than anybody else. That's his, his attitude towards Octo and acting. Is ridiculous because I think he's just it like don't take yourself so seriously to the point where, I mean, you're in a movie hit and run with Dax Shepard. We, I remember that. Pepper <laughs> Pepper's Farms remembers that. So stop, <laughs> so stop acting like you're above approach that you did some shitty B movie. Yeah, yeah. He was in a, he was in a, a handful of movies that were like uh, kind of like late releases that didn't get a lot of attention and stuff oh, like, like that. Aloha, that uh, really bad Cameron Crowe movie or whatever. Yeah, yeah uh, he's which, he's done bad. We've all done bad shit. Like yeah, especially in done, your career, like you start I, somewhere. You know what? Um, I really did like the place beyond the pines. I liked that movie. I thought he was pretty good in it. I the thought he. Strange. I need to see it again. It's been. A long I thought time. he actually outacted. Ryan Gosling. Oh wow! I yeah. do. Really? I thought I thought his performance was a subtle. He was struggling with more things internally. The character yeah. was, and I thought his performance was like a struggle, or uh, excuse me, a subtle display of that, which yeah. I really like. I haven't seen it in so long. Like he didn't go too far into it. Um, because, but yeah, I that that was a movie that surprised me that I liked it as much as I did because I only watched it because Mike Patton scored it and I wanted to see it. Oh sure, that. oh nice, yeah, yeah. But, um, but I ended up liking the movie, and I actually did like his performance. But I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on Bradley Cooper because, yeah. like I said, we do whole sh- We do entire episodes on just one actor. But I'm glad you brought it up. It bears mention. Like but, it, yeah. it's cool to look at it not just a movie, like a whole right. a whole decade of performances you do not like is totally worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just feel like this guy is. He's just so he's one dimensional to me, and I I don't 
I, w- I like him as Rocket Raccoon. I thought that was a cool career choice or whatever to take that role. And they probably, t- probably also paid him a shitload of money. Which <laughs> is int- yeah, I'm sure that. But I mean, I thought also doesn't hurt. It was an interesting choice for him to be Rocket yeah. Raccoon, and he's throwing his voice, and it's funny, and you know, he's a tiny little raccoon. I don't know if he does like uh, mocap work or anything for that I have no role, idea. but um, still, what I'm saying is, I just think Bradley Cooper. He needs to take some uh, some turns in his career and try to take himself a little less seriously. I agree with Roger. No more farts in a brandy glass. Yeah, please. And I mean, if he does a movie like one, uh, Red Hot, or was it the uh, Red Wet Hot, Hot American, American Summer? Summer. Yeah. One of the most the most scenes that I still to this day I still think about Michael Ian Black and him in a completely different way that I. <laughs> That I mean, that is a genuinely great movie. That though. is a great movie, and he's actually pretty good in it. Yeah, that he's was really prior good to this decade. That was when yeah. he could still. He was like a total unknown. Yeah, so when he yeah. could still when take he could chances. Do that. He did it all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. He did a bunch of shit like that. He took and chances, yeah. Yeah, now he's just Bradley Cooper. He, I feel like he Cooper. wants to be taken so seriously that he won't do these yeah. silly. Little there are a lot of people like that. At a certain it, point, you know, they yeah. want to be seen for being credible and not the guy that made out with Michael Ian Black or something. Yeah. Which yeah. is whatever. I respect that. But I prefer actors when they don't take themselves so seriously. Oh, I agree. And like, they do like Tom Cruise, like uh, cameo in Tropic Thunder, where yeah. you're barely unre- you know, barely recognizable and dancing like a fool. I love shit like that. Yeah, I mean, I, actors. I think he, Bradley could have a chance to be Paul Rudd and do a little bit of both. You know, sure. But now the ship has sailed. Probably nobody will ever be Paul Rudd. No, God no, no, and he will outlive all of us anyway. So yeah, that, I know he's that, that not aging at all. Young. Um, all right, so that was movies. We got all those done. Uh, all of us overrated on movies. That will change, I believe. I believe we we all pivoted and went underrated for the. Yeah, next we're all thing. underrated for music. So, so music was really hard for me to find anything I wanted to talk about at length that I was really really into because there's yeah. there's so many things to pick. So without belaboring the point, uh, Roger, what was your uh, over under decade music? So the criteria was within the decade. And it was hard for me. And here's why. Because a lot of the music I listened to was past decades. So this was very sure. hard. But then I thought about it. And I thought about a band that come up a lot in my Spotify. We talked about Spotify earlier suggesting bands. And they suggested this band out of Australia called the Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever. Or Rolling Blackouts CF for short. It's a band. Denny Band formed out of Melbourne in 2013. And they, the album in particular. But it's, it's an album. But the, the song itself. It, the album is called Hope Downs, but there's a song, a single called French Press that's part of it too. This band, to me, they're out of Sub Pop Records. So Sub Pop is. What was the name of the song? Uh, French Press. All right, I want to make sure that I remember to note it because we'll slip it in for you yes. right here. This album to me, and it's one of the best I've heard in a long time because it just it comes really out of to me out of nowhere because this kind of music, this kind of I've kind of my music taste varies, but it, for whatever reason, the first song off this album, Air Condition Man, we're not gonna break the whole album, but it's a band. Well, break it down as far as you want. I mean, you know, take your time. It's it's a band to me that just I don't know why it just kind of reminds me of some of that mid nineties kind of like alternative that i like and it's just it's radio friendly that you could play this on you could play this on should be played on the song but it's not it's an indie rock band and it's just it's really good like just the whole like you go from that to 
right in the talking straight. And then another of my favorite song, there's Cappuccino City. But it's just it, it's like I don't know, it's like the the quality of the band, it's their guitar playing, it's like there's like there's a lot a lot of like a lot of guitar jangle not jangling, but just a lot of parts with a good solo guitar work and everything and you definitely hear the Australian accents coming through, and it's cool. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's, there's this timeless, I'm going to say timeless, that sounds like a cliche thing to say, but. I, I would agree with the word timeless, because Dave was playing them a little bit here before we got started, and bare bones, rock and roll style yeah. is kind of what comes to mind. Yeah, man, it's, yeah. A, it's a rock band. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what it sounds like, and it's good. Like, like there's yeah. not a lot of extra bells and whistles in there. And that's, it's just rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, and I, that's what I appreciate, that's what I appreciate about it. And also, too, what I like about this band is that they are by themselves. They even said this in interviews that they they could have done all the other bands, but like could have done their own separate projects. But they knew full well working together for the common good for themselves would come out with better music. And I think that's a really cool attitude. And right, yeah. one of my favorite bands, Sloan, who does the same that's kind of stuff. So funny you should mention that because when we were we were listening to this in the studio, and I remarked to Lacey, she's like, "This sounds a lot like." This sounds a lot like something like familiar, like something from like the '90s, but it also sounds like Mick Jagger singing sometimes. And I'm like, you know, it sounds a lot like Sloan. Like I yeah. said, it sounds a lot like Sloan, and that is 100 <laughs> percent a comparison that makes sense considering they're one of your favorite fans. Yeah, and and th- for this decade, to me to find a band like this, because if you look at my Spotify list, and they're new of this yeah. decade, like yeah. they are, they are like only existed in this decade. Yeah, so you said they were formed in 2013, and yeah. this record came out in. The, in 18. Yeah, so last year. That's cool. Yeah, Fresh Press came out in tw- the French Press came out in 2017, which was like a solo single thing and I I absolutely wish they had a, they were in town last year and, and I didn't know till till too late but Yeah, that happens. Yeah, but I I would recommend this band to anybody. Uh it's they're very very tight and it's just even the videos too are really well shot and kind of a dreamy if you will. Not yeah, dreamy. I dug yeah. it. I yeah. I really liked this. I did yeah. too. I'm definitely throwing them on my like Hey, stuff you got to listen to more playlists. Yes. Um, I I told Dave as he just said that it reminded me of something, but I I didn't say the '90s. It reminded me of like the early aughts. Oh my like, bad. Yeah, that was what when, you said. No, yeah. that's okay. When yeah. like the White Stripes, it it they almost sound like a band that could have fit in with that era when like the the bands. I always call it that. The oh bands, yeah, like yeah, the White Stripes, the Strokes, the Vines, the, Vines. the Von Bondies. Yeah, and, all yeah, those, and the only band uh, you can put in out. there is the the the. Yeah, right. The the the. They, they um, have like a garage rock kind of yeah yeah garage sound. rock. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. But like, yeah. it's nice. It's it's not so. So, um, like, the, the styles are different. Like, I feel like when you hear the strokes, you automatically know it's the strokes because Julian Casablancas is singing through a telephone. Right. And, um, <laughs> you know, stuff with, like, uh, Jack White sounds like Jack White. You know what right. I mean? This guy, I don't want to, you know, discredit him or make it seem like he's not uh, unique or in his own vocal capabilities. But I feel like each song that we listened to, because we listened to a handful of them, was different sounding. Um, enough to make me feel like they have like a range and a capability of doing different things within the limits of that kind of indie rock genre. Because like I said, bare bones rock and roll. I love that. I love a jam band. Um, I'm definitely going to listen to them. I agree with you, Roger. I think they were underrated. Yeah, man. Solid pick. Thank you. I don't know why, I don't know why my voice broke there. Oh, solid pick. <laughs> <laughs> really liked your band. Good job, Mister. Cheek golly, Mister, Mister, Mrs. Beaver. Uh. All right, so I also have selected an underrated album. Uh, I guess the artist in general, I would probably put here too, but I picked a specific record, and that is Art Angels from 2015 by Canadian synth pop weirdo Grimes. 
she has become a bit more recognized lately for people who follow news or tech, as she has been linked to Elon Musk, a uh, resident tech weirdo. So it's a match made in heaven, if you really think about it, because they're both fucking weird. Um, I liked Grimes prior to this record. I had heard um, the one before, which I believe was Oblivion. Uh, that was the one that you got me into. Yeah. Or, so vision, or Visions. Visions. Yeah, Oblivion vision. was the song, the, yep. the single. Yep. Uh, so Visions, it's 2011, so that still falls under the purview of what we're covering here. Uh, I would say Visions is also great. You could probably check that out, and it's awesome. But it's a little more... It's a little less accessible than Art Angels because Art Angels kind of builds on sort of a, the synthy kind of avant electronica pop stuff that she yeah. does and then makes it a bit more listener friendly. Like it has more melodies, some better, I don't know, more like to use the term radio friendly, like songs that are a bit more recognizable as like, oh, this is a pop song, right? And I think she is very good at this specific genre there are so many people within this genre that i enjoy and listen to she's like a post bjork kind of you know pop weirdo and there are lots of them like marina and the diamonds uh fucking charlie xcx like there's a a list of people longer than this that i can't name all of them right now but that's kind of like my favorite genre of music are we gonna talk about another one eventually though? we will talk about another one in a few minutes um <laughs> are working but, together sorry <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, Art Angels came out at a time where I kind of had forgotten that Grimes was a thing. Like she, her the record previous Visions was 2011, and I just was like, oh, this is super great, and then didn't hear anything else for a couple of years, and was like, well, I've moved on, and I'm listening to other things. So it came out at a time where I just wasn't really expecting it, and then it became the only thing I listened to for Jesus, like six months. I mean, you can ask my wife; she fucking just constantly is just like, is this that same record? I'm like, yes, this is the same record again. Like I, I loved it. I top to bottom. I love every single song on here. Uh, Reality was like a demo song first, but before it came on the album, but that was the first one that I had heard. And then I, I also will not go track for track, but I will say all the singles on here are good. California is good. Um, Flesh vs. Blood, like, or Kill vs. Mame, I'm sorry. And then there's just a whole crap load of great songs. It's a very, it's a very weird kind of experimental pop record, and if you're into that kind of thing, you will like this. Like, I don't know if anyone else has... If you guys have listened to this extensively, but this is just kind of what she is, and I think it's great. I, I listened to a few songs. What what I find fascinating too is the story behind that she did all of it, produced it. Oh yeah, all the instrumentation, everything, and then the great. Uh, the, I just saw this too, and I pulled. I remind myself to pull up on YouTube was is that the collaboration was made with uh, I can never say her name Janelle Monae. Yeah, Monae because she sent a, a self made art drawing in a, in the middle of a decapitated human head blasting out colors because she was a fan. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That is very That's awesome. That's kind of what she does. Yeah. Like she's, she, is, she is her own thing. And, you know, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But the, like Lacey had alluded to earlier, the notion that creating pop music has to be like, oh, it's super produced and everybody does all the work for you and it's terrible. Like, I would throw this up and say, no, you can make interesting stuff and you can make it be pop. And it, it is definitely a pop record but it is wholly self-contained. Like, she did all of this. She writes her music. She writes her lyrics. She does all the arrangements. Like, it's not it's not for nothing that this thing is so good because you can tell how much work went into it. Not to mention, too, for somebody that you got me into Visions, it comes a or it comes leaps and bounds. Like, Visions is a really good album. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like she learned a lot and then applied it to this. Yeah, this is an evolution. And it, yeah. it, it's 
it's obvious. Like yeah. it, it, it takes the stuff that she had built on pre- previously and just expands it, like just a degree enough to where it's like, oh, this is different, but it still sounds like you. And yeah. her new, her most recent album has leaked, and I have heard it because I'm terrible, so I've jumped on that. But it also is, it's, it's the same. It's like it's taking this and expanding on this just enough to where it sounds like Grimes, but different. And I hope that she continues on this trajectory. Like this is an artist that. I look forward to hearing more of in the future because I think she's very good. I agree with you, and I think that it's and it's really hard to do in this time these days where music to distinguish yourself from one thing or another. You, it seems like you have to go back to get some old into the new and rehash it. But she, it's you truly unique sound to her. Yeah, totally. I will interject here to say I will put in. I think "Kill vs. Maine" would be the song I want people to listen to because it's really weird and it is. She said it is written about Michael Corleone from The Godfather being an intergalactic space vampire. Whatever. Make of that what the fuck you will, but here's Kill vs. Maine. I love me a weird yeah. bitch. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> love that's a weird bitch. Awesome. Speaking of, yeah. I mean, if we want to transition into more, into more uh, weird bitches, weird synth pop, electro pop, nonsense yeah. pop. Um, so my pick was from 2014. Um, it is an album, but also the artist too, because I think it's interesting we all picked artists that are like contained like in the yeah. decade, like new, like it wasn't like oh this old band put out like a banger. Yeah. No. Um, these are all new up and comers. Old bands are last. dead. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're shaking our fists at you old people. <laughs> Continue the trend. Anyways, um, the record that I pick is from an artist called Mew, and the album is called No Mythologies to Follow. Yay. It is from 2014. Um, if you've if you've listened to any number of like popular music here in the United States recently in the last like five years, then you probably know the ter- the song "Lean On." Um, Lean she, On was a big song. Leon, Lean On was a big song with Major Lazer. She was the vocalist on it, and since then has done about five thousand collaborations with Diplo, um, who, <laughs> yeah. who is in right? Isn't he? He like, is Major Lazer. He is part yeah. of Major Lazer. Um, so this album, I picked it because honestly, like, this is going to sound so dramatic, but this album changed me. <laughs> it, I, I'm not laugh laughing, you, I, no, I'm not laughing at you. I think it's awesome. Like, I'm, go ahead. So I am like, I have never been into things like this. I've never been into music like this. I'm just like, I've always been like a rock and roller, maybe a little bit of hip hop sprinkled in there somewhere, but like. This is the first time that I have truly, like, explored and fell in love with, like, what you could consider a pop artist. I heard the song um, Walk This Way. It was, like, the single from this album. I heard it playing in a gym, and I found out who did it because I kept hearing it. Like, I heard it a few times, and it was so good. And I went and I looked it up on Spotify because we can do that in this decade. It's awesome. And I found the whole album and it just it just from beginning to end it just flows so well. It starts off like all like 
it's like an ethereal banger is the only way I could describe it with fire rides. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like you, you're expecting her to be like, Ooh, like almost kind of sound like Enya with a little bit more of a beat. But then like she brings it hits. It's just such a good, good tune. And then it carries on throughout the whole record. It's just it, it brings you up. It brings you back down. It's got a bop here and there. It's just, I love this whole album so much. It was my favorite album of the year and my favorite album of the decade. Like, I still listen to it all the time. It's great. Dave and I actually went and saw her live um, a couple years ago. 2018, so last year. Yeah, so yeah. last year at the beginning of, it's almost two years now. Yeah, it was almost, like yeah, in it was January. January. It was January like the first show I saw of the year. And she was great. She brought a live band oh, with man, her. Oh, man, she was so good. She was so good. She was high energy. And she's... um. This girl is from Denmark. She's she's not American, so you don't. He, it's overseas. They have a different like pop structure. I feel like sure. everything that I hear that comes out of like Europe is like different than like w- the shit that we do here. Although I'm sure there's some crossover, but like the stuff that she makes, like it that type of stuff, like never really makes it to like the radio. It never right. becomes like a top forty. Hit it's always here. it's like dance stuff. A lot of it. Yeah, and it, yeah, it'll, yeah. It'll have it has a place. Like, I'm thinking of like you know? Elephant. And, yes, um, yes, exactly like that. You know, and like the, the but that's what this album did for me is open the gates for like for me to listen to Elephant and Grimes and Flint Eastwood, who is now Jax Anderson, who's a local artist, but makes kind of like the same like yeah. dance pop sort yeah. of like it's in I that, always it's in call it like indie pop, even though that's yeah. kind of an oxymoron like indie pop. But no, but it it, it is it's pop like, is the music. Like right, it, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that it is it is short for popular. Popular, but that's what I mean. Like it. It is because the style it's is supposed to be popular. It's become a genre, but yeah. yeah, but it's like indie pop, like kind of yeah. like electro dance pop almost. And this has opened the gates for me to listen to all of this stuff, and it is it has created a whole new world of listening. Oh, for I'd say me like Robin. Robin would be someone you put oh, in here for sure. Okay, I've been listening to Robin since I was twelve. Yeah, but that's but a little still. different. She's okay, in here, she's though. she has raised she. me. <laughs> <laughs> Robin has raised me. Okay, she's brought me through some times. Shout out, to, <laughs> shout out to Body Talk, also one of the best albums of the decade. Shout out to Robin for raising me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just thought this album was great. I definitely recommend giving it a listen if you are find yourself enjoying pop music, um, but maybe think you need a change of pace. Um, and if you liked Lean On, hey, here, here's a full-length album that this girl put out, and it's, it's great. I love it. Yeah, can't say enough good things. About she has it. a lot of. She's continuing to put out really good shit through this decade. Yeah, like she's, she's put out all. She's a had lot a bunch of, of EPs and stuff with yeah. a lot of really great songs on it. Like she did Nights put with out You another... is super great. Oh, I love that. Yeah, too. like there's she's she's not stopping. Like she is at a constant pace of. She collaborates with Diplo a lot. Yes, and um, I, it's good he though. She seems to really like, like yeah. her as a vocalist on his track. So yeah, like, get it right. Stuff, Come on, man, that song's a fucking jam. Like she can't wait to leave here and listen to her stuff. Do you want me to put a song here? <clears throat> what What would you want me to put here? It's your pick. You want me to pick something from No Mythologies? Pilgrim. All right. Pilgrim it is. But yeah, continue. Roger? Uh, so the, the only thing I was going to say is that I think with with this band and same thing with Grimes, I think unfortunately because radio has become so corporate streamlined BS, if you think about bands in the decade, of the, in the 80s, like Depeche Mode, Human League, and what have you, I think that 
if radio was still as free form as it was or then as it is now, or could, or was then could be now potentially yeah could yeah have been. I I think they would definitely be a major minor if not a major radio hit because she still shows up I mean like she yeah. is the the vocalist on that Lean On song which got played everywhere yeah. right. and still kind of does like and it's, it's in. It's like there's a shitty acoustic cover of it right now in a commercial. So, but if you live in a but if you live in a midwestern market, like no, you're right, you're right. It, like yeah. in a midwestern sensibility, it doesn't fit the quote unquote midwestern sensibilities. sensibilities. Sure. And okay. this is a this is a bit like even it took even now it's funny like Depeche Mode bands like this, it's still Depeche Mode is popular, but I think it took like 20 years later. I think Depeche Mode to be popular for like, someone maybe, to hear them in Wisconsin. Yeah, or yeah, or for know, that man. matter, Traverse City, Michigan. <laughs> I don't know, like. The Pesci Mode was big. I mean, they were huge, but I don't know. I, I, admittedly, like, I have to do more. I want to do a deeper dive. I, d- I did like what you sent over, Lacey. So. Obviously, this has to do with like where you are on right. the, in the globe because like different right. things become more popular in different places. Like I believe that Mew has a pretty large following in her home nation. I right. see that like her albums charted a lot more favorably um, on Danish music charts than they did here in the United States. So I wonder if like she plays like bigger shows, but like when Dave and I went and saw her, it was a really small, intimate venue. So it was really rad to see that. So I don't know like how she does over there, um, but I mean, I this I just definitely recommend giving this album a listen all the way through. It flows really well to me, and like everything she's done since then, I've been a big fan of too. Yeah. She's definitely my favorite thing that I've discovered, and because of discovering her music, I've discovered so much more too. Yeah, man. Thank you, Mew. Yeah, that's pretty rad. It was a good. It was a good decade for discovery. All right, so that leaves us with television, and moving on into that, uh, we have a we have a bit of a mixed bag here. So Roger. We're going to start with you, your over-under decade TV. So for this one, it was kind of a, a tough call whether or not I wanted to go with a show or a kind of a creator of a show, if you will. And in this case, I think for, for the sake of time, I also think because I could, we, I think we could do a whole entire episode on the producer of the show. So we'll, we'll have to save that for another time because I, I really believe we could – do a whole episode on this. Uh, guy. We could, but I would just be mad the entire time. Yeah, I know. I think we'd probably be bashing, <laughs> bashing this gentleman. But the entire hey, time. maybe we, maybe we can. Who's to say? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, I'm looking at his repertoire right here, and you, we would be bashing. Yeah. <laughs> so the show is Two Broke Girls, and the the reason why the creator of the show was Chuck Lorre, and Chuck Lorre is responsible for Big Bang Theory, Two and a Half Men. I think he produced that one. Yeah. I don't know if he created it. Yeah, he's he produced Two Broke Girls. Uh, what's her face? Whitney Cummings created yeah. the show with something else. She created like 17 shows in like a year. Really? Yeah, dude. Wow. Yeah, and her own show failed miserably, but her other shows were very successful, so make of that what you will. Yeah, and I know he has some sort of touch with this show. Um, is it? Oh, it's definitely. He's all over this. Yeah, but yeah go ahead. So the show was started in uh, September nineteenth, twenty eleven, and it ended a couple or er, twenty seventeen, and it was on CBS, the network I make fun of the most because it should be made fun of. One hundred thirty six episodes of the show aired, and it's about two waitresses or two two friends in Cat De- uh, Max Black, played by Cat Dennings, and Caroline Channing, played by Beth Feathers, and Caroline plays the daughter of a billionaire. And Max's grew up in the mean street, so you already have that odd couple mentality to start with this. <laughs> right. And they work together at a diner to raise money to start a cupcake business, which they end up doing. My wife watches the show. I've watched <laughs> it a couple times with her. I don't get it. And I sat and I, and for the show, I 
I watched more. I watched like two or three seasons worth, and I, the jokes, that it's the essential, quintessential, canned humor sitcom. It's lowest common denominator. And the lowest common the term that people generally yeah. use, right? Yeah. Max, did you blow a possible cupcake customer tonight? You know I don't mix business with pleasure. So and laugh tracks. Yeah, yeah. Garrett <laughs> Morris. A lot of. Man, Garrett Morris, look, man, I know you're getting old, a little older, and I understand that roles might not come to you the same way, but he plays like kind of like the, the you know the manager guy who, who runs the the, co- the coffee shop, and it's like, man, Garrett Cole, you did this, or Garrett Morris, you did this role on Living Single, man. Well, I mean, if you, you gotta wanna, eat, dude. I know you gotta Garrett eat. Morris gotta eat. And I don't mind that, but then you hear Han Lee, their boss, which is uh, played by Matt Ooh. Moy, and he is it's the worst Asian stereotype I've ever seen. This it's, show is, is full of them, though, right? Yeah. Isn't there, like, a Ukrainian person yeah, or, like, the, a Russian person? Yeah, the, too? yeah it's Oleg. Jennifer Coolidge. Okay. Yeah, and Oleg, yeah, Oleg which is they, her and uh, Jennifer Coolidge get together, and they have a kid together at some point, and he's just a pervert always hitting on Kat Denning because she's well-endowed, and... So and then Cat Denny makes a lot and like there's a lot of the de- even degrading jokes about women and just all these stereotypes played up to the umpteenth degree. Yeah, and it's terrible. I don't get it. I, I it's just it's just I don't even know how it lasted over 100 episodes for syndication purposes because it was on CBS. Yeah, that's oh, why. Yeah. Like it's because yeah. it was on CBS. CBS CBS only trades in this stuff. CBS guarantees syndication. Yeah, it's yeah. between this and Two and a Half Men and Mike and Molly, like all of these shows yeah. that like. I don't watch because I do not think they are funny, but someone is watching them because yeah. they stay on forever. Yeah, so. I, do, I don't understand it either. I Here's my problem with, if I may, I'm sorry, were you finished? Uh, no, go ahead. I'll, I'll finish after we this. Can, we can go around. Um, here's my biggest problem with Two Broke Girls. They have Kat Dennings, who I think is fucking delightful. Yeah. They have Jennifer Coolidge, who I think is hit or miss, but I think she has the potential to be really great if you put her in the right role. They have her they just are wasted <laughs> in with these stupid shitty jokes in and it the production quality looks low and bad. Like it looks like they're like in like the saddest, dirtiest like studio. It looks like a seventies sitcom. It does. It it's it's bad to me. And I know that there are a lot of people that like that stuff, but it just it doesn't feel submersive to me. Like I right. can't really like get into the episode and like the jokes don't hit. It's just boring because it's, it's all of the same type of shit that tropes, they were doing in like the 80s tropes. you know yeah. like, like there is there is wholly a like character whose whose thing is to like sexually harass these waitresses yeah. and of course like they have like the character of max is meant to offset all of this bullshit because she's like a strong girl who like doesn't take this bullshit but like it's played for a joke like haha isn't it funny that max slaps his hand away like yeah. No, it's not funny that she has to continuously fucking put up with this garbage and live like this. You know what I mean? Like because she's a hardworking person. Uh, yeah, and it it, it, it reinforces it, it reinforces the kind of perception of this stuff where people are like, "Oh, but it's a joke," and "Oh, we're just kidding." Like it's okay to be super racist and have like your awful Asian stereotype make super Asian jokes. It's okay to have like people lightly sexually harass your waitresses. Yeah. Like this yeah. is it's a conditioning to where it's like. People don't see this for what it is, which is bad and negative and all being reinforced by having it played for laughs constantly. And it is it yeah. is a constant, long-standing tradition of sitcoms to have this sort of humor in them, and it is a bad look. Yeah. And it needs to fucking stop. Like, yeah. Even in shows that I love. Like, it happens a lot in shows that I love, uh, historically. 
And Whose company comes to mind for that? Or Frasier. Like, yeah. Frasier is better about it in a lot of ways, but Frasier has a lot of gay jokes. Like, it has this, a lot of stuff where it just was made at a time where that kind of stuff was okay to say all the time. It isn't now. And you should know better in 2011. The show lasted for, like, eight seasons and ran through the whole time of us learning not to be super shitty about this stuff, and it's the worst at it. Yeah. Like, it is one of the main offenders of just being that. That and Two and a Half Men, which is a whole other fucking yeah. conversation. I mean, we'll get, we'll get also a Chuck Lorre joint. Yeah, and, and the thing about this show, and then I'll, I'll close it out, is to simply put, Kat Denning is a much better actress than this. You and deserve better, yeah, Kat you, Yeah, and, and Beth Beers has is a CBS run-of-the-mill actress. And there's and the reason why I say that is because she's been in other sit, CBS sitcoms since. They used her immediately afterwards, and that's fine. you got to have your in-house talent. Yeah, you got to get in this in-house talent. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I just don't like the – just the, the whole idea of it, too, like, they keep track of how much money – like, you're not even keeping track at this point. And the, it, there is uh, Eric Andre. I think Eric Andre – yeah, Eric Andre was on there for a couple – Really? Yeah, I don't. I didn't watch the show. Yeah, so to Eric go. Andre was played Kath Denning's boyfriend at some point. All right, man. Yeah. The whole Get them basis checks. of the show is that they're trying to work and raise money so they could start their own business. But so they're living together in an apartment. Beth Bears used to be like a rich socialite, but her dad got busted and lost all his money, so now she has to work. Max, who is Kat Denning's character, like is just always been the a working class like, person, yeah, right. so she didn't grow up in this privilege. It, this show makes me uncomfortable because I have struggled financially. It makes me uncomfortable to watch these girls like not know how to, they're going to yeah. pay their rent, but they're also scraping literally like a few bucks at a time to put aside just so they can open up a business, which they're also going to have to really work hard at. Like nothing is easy, and it, they, the way they play it off is like laughs. Like, isn't it hilarious that Max um, watch it? She's like the lookout for this guy who tags graffiti stuff like that's one of her side gigs she like he'll throw her a few bucks to do that and then she also babysits for this rich socialite lady and then she also does this and i'm like when does this poor woman sleep like <laughs> yeah go to bed girl like and i don't know just the the show never never made me laugh in spite of having cat dennings which i love so yeah, I I agree with you. I thought it was really overrated, and I was shocked that this ran as long as it did. Because I remember when it first came out, I was interested when they were like advertising it and stuff. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, Cat Dennings, I'm gonna watch this show. I'm gonna see what it's like." And I watched a couple episodes. I was like, mm, "Not for me." And I I thought to myself like, "Well, that sucks. It's gonna get canceled, and you know, hopefully she finds work or whatever." But it kept going. Yeah, and I don't that and because of the CBS formula. They just put it on a good time spot and let it run and, and Chuck Lorre had pull because he produced a, 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 a fortune of money. So she's she's on a bigger and better thing, so she's going to be in some Disney Plus stuff. So good for her. She'll, she'll bounce back and I'm sorry, it was just a waste of talent on that show. Some of the joke, like I said, some of the jokes too were just like, oh look at me, I'm playing my dying have the big boobs, get it? It's like, yeah. come on. I'm she's a, Yeah, she deserves better. Yeah. And that show sucks. Yeah. But so does every other show on CBS. Yeah. Fuck you, Big Bang Theory. Fuck anyway. you, uh, Magnum, Magnum P.I. remake. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's move on. I will try to sweeten this a little bit by, <laughs> by talking about my selection, which is an underrated TV show. Yeah, let's sweeten it. With yeah, this let's sweeten it real good. Uh, my pick is the produced in 2013 uh, Hannibal. It was an adaptation, a, a mostly, I wouldn't say strictly, but an adaptation of the works of Thomas Harris. So the Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon, you know, that sort of stuff. So the main character, obviously, is Hannibal Lecter. 
who is the name of the show. Um, <clears throat> and it is him being Hannibal Lecter. If you do not know, let's just let's work on the assumption that you don't know. Uh, Hannibal is a psychological horror TV series, and it is about two people squaring off. And they're the one guy, the main our main hero of sorts is Will Graham. He's um what an FBI special investigator, and he is paired up with Hannibal Lecter, who is a psychologist, psychiatrist, a very successful one, well-to-do, um, kind of like an upper-crust social-standing type person. And they are paired up to find serial killers, like very specific, special, grotesque serial killers. Um, this is not a spoiler if you know anything about Hannibal Lecter, the character, but turns out Hannibal Lecter is also a serial killer, specifically a cannibal. So there is, there is a lot of allusion to this through early parts of the show where they're not really showing you as much but he also loves to cook you can connect your dots there um this show is fucking amazing it is it is surprising to me that a show this graphic aired on a network television channel because they show a lot of incredible pieces it's it is rare that they will show the murders happening they don't show they don't get into that a lot it was on NBC they don't show a lot of like the actual like, I'm going to slice someone in half kind of stuff. But they will have, like, the the first person that they're tracking uses the bodies like art. Like, there's, like, a lot of decorative sort of, like, death pieces where he's, like, dismembering things and right. setting limbs into specific positions and making them look like, you know, different poses and things. And it is amazing what they got away with on NBC. Like, this is not yeah. something that I would have expected to see on that. It would have been, like, a Showtime or, like, Cinemax kind of production or Netflix or something. The budget for the show must have been extreme, too, because it looks incredible. It is incredibly well shot. The music is exceptional. And the actors are mwah. Like, without breaking through every single character. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who we all love. <laughs> mm. You you have reservations? He, he's creepy. I well, think he's Yeah, creepy. he's fucking creepy. He's one of the best Bond villains of all time. Oh, Hell my yeah. God. With the- Shout out to the Sheaf. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, you may also, uh, nerdier types, you may also remember him from Doctor Strange as, uh, the, the heavy in that movie, although I'm forgetting his name right now. The, yeah, the he's, monkey, yeah. But he's like the bad one yeah. in Doctor Strange where they are chasing him. Of course him. he is. Yeah. Um, so Hugh Dancy plays Will Graham and Mads Mikkelsen is, uh, Hannibal Lecter and the two of them have wonderful interplay, like they both play really well off each other. I would apologize for my analytical ambush, but I know I will soon be apologizing again and you'll tire of that eventually, so I have to consider using apologies only. Just keep it professional. Oh, we could socialize like adults. God forbid we become friendly. I don't find you that interesting. You will. Uh, Hugh Dancy is a very... He's very understated through most of the show because he is painted as a character that is, like, psychologically troubled. He has had his own bouts of dealing with some stuff, and it has potentially scarred him, but he's trying to fight some of that. So there's, like, there's a lot of meditation on, you know, mental well-being and trauma, and this this is a, a theme, a thread throughout the entire series. Um, I won't hammer on about this forever, but I will just say, this show was criminally underseen in the time that it was on. It only lasted three seasons, and the third season was canceled, so... It did not get a lot of episodes. Um, I believe it had like 39. 39 episodes, yeah. So it has, it's a very short run. But if you are a fan of any type of psychological horror, 
if you have ever liked any of the Silence of the Lambs related stuff, like Anthony Hopkins' portrayal of that character, you know, watch this show and just take in take in the fucking nuts fucking production of this fucking show because it is so good. Like it is. It is rare for a television show in this. This came out in 2013, so it ran till 2016. Did they wrap it up, or did it just end uh, abruptly? Uh, it kind of just ended, um, without without any spoilers. It, it kind of just ended. It was very rushed. the The plan was to adapt it in sequence with the way the Harris novels were written. So they had like a preamble, and then they would do a Red Dragon arc, and then they would do a Silence of the Lambs arc. So Corey Starling and everybody would show up. Right. So they the the detail was to have each season become one of the more well-known properties of this series but it uh-huh. didn't really get there so that's a bummer it I really can't, i can't is. believe that one of the streaming services didn't pick it up because wasn't that this around was the time? just before everyone just started before, doing yeah, that it was yeah. like early 2016 so now it probably would have a chance to do yeah. that and there was talk that it could i don't know if they could do it now like Mads Mikkelsen's got a lot on his plate. The dude is constantly working. It was in Rogue One. Yeah, also in Rogue One. So, like, the dude never stops. So I I would like to think it's possible, but I don't know if anyone would revisit it. Um, I would like to mention that it was created by Brian Fuller, excuse me, uh, who was the subject of one of my underrated TV shows on our underrated TV episode. He created Dead Like Me. So he has a very, very spotty track record of keeping things on TV. <laughs> uh, Dead Like Me, Wonder Falls, Pushing Daisies, this he show. Like the guy that makes everything is brilliant, but yep. nobody appreciates it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, rumor is he might be also a prick and hard to work with. Uh, I could see how that would happen if all of your shit lasts one year. He was also responsible for the first season of American Gods on Stars, a show that I know a lot of people like. Yeah, I've heard good yeah, things. Yeah, so he wrote and did a direct, like a bunch of directing and producing for that too, but was then kicked off the show in season two. So it's difficult to say how much of that is his fault, but. I'm not going to defend the person. I will defend the ideas and the scope because holy shit, this show is incredible. All right. I feel like I've talked long enough about it. Did you guys watch Hannibal at all? I did not, and I'll tell you why. It was recommended to me very much by you and uh, my friend, our mutual friend, Jennifer. Hi, Jen. Um, hi, Jen. She's been on this show before. Um, you guys both liked it and recommended it to me, but I have said this before. I think I said it in our horror episode you that did. we did I specifically with Grave Discussions. It. I am absolutely repulsed and disgusted by cannibalism even the suggestion of it the thought of it makes me sick and right. i'm gonna be honest with you my stomach is turning just sitting here right. thinking well about then it. i will not no, tell okay. you to watch this because we, it's definitely implied i i am sure that it was wonderful and i'm sure i could respect it and watch it but like i just don't want to put myself through that i get i get so sick when i think about it just makes me it makes my stomach turn. I second that because I did watch one episode and I was like, oh, couldn't do couldn't it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. That doesn't make it. That doesn't no, make no, it no, bad. No. Like, it I'm not going to knock it for that. It's right. just a, on a personal level. I can't handle that sort of nastiness. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's too bad it. because, like, it's really the thing, the biggest sell for this show is its production value. It looks unike anything that was airing on TV at the time. It is so slick and so beautiful. Yeah. It's dark, yeah. I've seen, like, clips and stuff, and I can see, like, I, I say Mads Mikkelsen is creepy, but, I mean, that, he was probably great for the role. I oh, think he's, he's a really good, amazing. I think he's a really good actor, though. He's so fucking he good on me this out show. his face, but, yeah. He, but, um, you know, between, between having to, I mean, he does, he does such a great job of, you know, being an under-the-radar sociopath 
and then sure. having moments of that ferocity come out of him in scenes where you're like, oh my god, this guy's legitimately terrifying. Right. Like he does such a great job of walking that line and putting on that appearance so so well for every character to not suspect him of anything until they do. Dun dun dun. And like right. holy shit, man. Like the show is just a visual fucking phenomenon. Like I can't I cannot spend enough time talking about how well this show is made. So that is my nerd out moment of just telling you, watch this fucking show. If you ever wanted to see like super high produced horror stuff, this is definitely that. It's so good. But yeah, feels like I'm the only one that has anything to say about it. So we can just move I'm past sorry. it. That's I'm okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I couldn't watch this. No, show. that's okay. That's okay. But Sick. definitely watch Hannibal fucking rules. Lacey, we are going yes. to close out with your selection for our over under decade for television. Okay. So my... This is an underrated TV show for me, and the underrated show that I chose was called Huge. It aired in 2010 on Freeform, but before Freeform was Freeform. ABC it Family? Was ABC yeah. Family. ABC Family original drama series. I feel like inside me there's an even fatter person just trying to get out. No one wants to be the fat girl. You want to tell me she's here for her health? Don't say what I'm here for. Hairspray's Nikki Blonsky. I do not intend on getting kicked out, nor do I intend on losing weight. I said nor. That's how serious I am. The world premiere of a new ABC Family original drama series, Huge, premieres Monday, June 28th after an all-new Secret Life, only on ABC Family, a new kind of family. This show, full disclosure, is absolutely not intended for adult viewers it is definitely like a young adult uh teen like focused show um it takes place at a camp called camp victory which is a weight loss camp for teenagers um and it stars nikki blonsky who you you may remember nikki blonsky from uh the hairspray remake she played tracy turnblatt it's the only thing i know her from to be fair she's been in a few like lifetime movies and i was really excited when i saw her in this because i was like hell yeah girl you go get a role like she's in a tv show Uh, the reason i have uh, several reasons that i liked this show so much it was canceled after one season so it only ran for one full season um she plays the Main, I mean, there are many characters that we're meeting and stuff. It is the first season. And if this was like ABC Family, it probably even got less episodes, right? Because it's not network, so it had like ten. Yeah, Yeah. well, that sucks. Um, and it was an hour long though, so it was like an hour long drama. So she, her name is Will in the show, and she shows up, and she has no desire to be at weight loss camp. She is firmly camp. Love myself the way I am. Um, and she's encountering, you know, different people her age who feel have lots of varying different feelings about their bodies and how they view themselves and what their, you know, self-worth means to them as many teenagers do, as we even do into adulthood. That never goes away. It never really goes away. For some of us. Um, And it's, it's an interesting, I, I thought the way that they handled it was so good because it's a great show to see. I, you know, we talk a lot nowadays about like representation and things like that in media for, you know, people from different demographics. But this was a show with a bunch of like big kids, like just the different ways that they reacted to this and dealing with these issues that I think really resonate with a lot of like teenagers and young adults. And they handled it well. They had a gay character who was just 
coming out and kind of like secretly telling some people, which is an experience that a lot of people really do have. I know that there are a lot of shows that are aimed at teens and young adults that deal with like more sensationalist kind of content where it's like you're almost coveting that or vampires and stuff like that. (laughs) And all of that can be fun. But this was like a drama that I thought was handled just they handled it with a sensitivity, but also like not not uh, what what are the words I'm looking for? Like they didn't they weren't shy about showing things and like running those storylines. The characters were super interesting. The um, interactions between characters were very nice. They had a lot of like side romances and dealing with things like that in this setting that was kind of often uncomfortable for them. Sure, yeah. But not in a way. So I just, I really thought this show should have got another chance. I believe, um, yeah, they just canceled it. It just didn't. It didn't have the viewership. I imagine that's a hard sell. Yeah. Like, to try to make people watch your show about fat people. I'm I not. Know I'm, there were a lot of I'm not saying that to be dismissive. Right. I, it sounds very nice, but it it is a hard sell. I know there were a lot of people that also loved this show. Yeah. But this definitely feels like a cult kind of show. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I really wish they would have. I don't know if they just marketed it as like bunch of fat kids like <laughs> I, but i feel like they could have marketed it as more like this is like reality for people coming of age kind coming of, stuff. of age yeah. is exactly what it was i just thought this show was so underrated and i was so sad when they canceled it because i watched the whole damn thing i mean i was in my mid-20s at the time early 20s um so i mean these are teenagers that are like you know 16 17 18 or whatever in high school age they did kind of focus on some of the counselors though too so you did have adult characters there and stuff and like what their lives what's happening in their lives and how they're handling this and stuff but i mean i just thought it was so good and they canceled it and it just made it just made me shred because i thought i thought they we need more shit like this on tv that i was gonna say it's twice as a bummer when you're seeing something that is resonating with you that you don't see. Right. And it's it's like a it's rarer to find things made like this for a right. specific sort of subset of people. And then to have that like conditionally just be kind of being noted to you like, well, this is not successful, we're canceling it. Like it is it is a bummer. Like I understand why people get connected to this kind of stuff. Because it's yeah. you know, you want to see good things come from representation and stuff like that. And when it doesn't happen, it fucking sucks. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's exactly how I felt about it. Roger, do you have any thoughts on this show? I didn't know that Haley or David Hasselhoff's daughter was in it. Oh yeah, Haley Hasselhoff is the oh, daughter. Yeah? yeah, she plays a uh, like the kind of mean girl ish, but not really. And uh, she's like the she's like the hot shit at camp. Does she act like David Hasselhoff? Like, is she like all walking into scenes all big? Like, huh? no, she's <laughs> very. Um, I thought she was good in it. She was yeah. like she she did a good job of conveying that like walking the line between like having mad confidence in that setting and also being like profoundly anxious about herself it, and <laughs> self conscious. It would have been around. It would have been near the same time. Is there a scene of her? shirtless on a floor eating a cheeseburger no, but she is the one that filmed yes him. i know that's why yeah. i asked um, and been. it was around that time yeah, it was okay. like right after this show so <laughs> yeah if anybody doesn't remember the video david hasloff eating a cheeseburger shirtless fucking dude it's really a sad it's really sad but because it's really she's fun to there watch. Yeah, is she what's is there. sad about it his yeah. daughter watching him be a <laughs> shit bag alcoholic but anyway that's not what we're talking about 
But yeah, so that is my show. I missed that show. I was sad when it got canceled. I'm not a big TV watcher. I don't watch a lot of network television, but I got really wrapped up in this show and I thought that it was very interesting and I thought that they were, you know, it it was very realistic in in a lot of ways. So I was yeah. sad to see it go. But another thing, too, one of the characters on there, I just was watching um, What We Do in the Shadows a couple months ago. Oh, I still need to watch that. I was watching it, and the main one of the main characters on that show is played by a guy was, who was on Huge. Oh, nice. And I had not seen him in anything since. And I was like, I know this guy from something. And I looked it up, and he was in that show. So I'm glad he's getting work, and I please, yeah, you know. It's good to see the people that you liked for something show up again. It's and he's really nice. funny in it, so. Yeah, that's that good. Is it. I will have to check that out. I've never even, until you had told me about it. I never even heard of it. And yeah, just watched a shitload of ABC Family, and I just never, yeah. never picked up on that one. Well, it was it was right at the beginning of the decade, yeah. two thousand ten. So yeah, well, Gilmore Girls was on then, so I definitely would have <laughs> seen a trailer for it. Um, shout out to Gilmore Girls. Oh. So yeah, that was it. That was our over under decade. But as we close the show, we also close the decade. Like here we are. We sit at the end of twenty nineteen. 2019 was a really cool year for us. Uh, we, if you are hearing this and you probably may know, we became part of the Make Fun Network. That has been pretty cool. We've talked to a lot of people that we had not before, brought in some interesting kind of perspectives on stuff. That was neat. Like it's, it's been neat to interact with a lot of you guys and hear what you have to say about our show and other shows on the network. And like genuinely, I want to thank you know the people at Top 5 and Matt and the people who are listening to us. We appreciate... Everybody, and this is including the people that were here before that, like everybody that's been here for us. We've had a really cool year. You guys have been awesome. We sold shirts. That's been dope. Like it's been it's been a neat experience. So I genuinely want to thank everybody for a year that we had. It was very up and down in parts, but generally speaking, the show has I been think, only uh, up. The show has been up. I think we're so, closing the decade on a really good note. I agree. And we have a lot of cool shit planned for next year. There's we already have several of the episodes kind of tapped up for you. There's a I don't know. There's a possibility we might be able to even do more stuff. So we're we're hoping for a big 2020. We'll just say that. And we're, we're kicking off the 20s. Uh, we're going in. We're going in firing in all cylinders. Fucking if you will. So you know the rest of this. Check us out at Over Under Fair. Uh, all of your podcatchers: Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Over Under Fair. Um, Over Under Fair Pod at gmail.com for your email stuff. Check out the conversation over at the Make Fun Network Facebook page. There's always people talking about a whole lot of stuff, and there's a lot of people talking about a lot of stuff. I can't really say much more than there's that. There's a lot We're, of great interaction. There's a lot of interaction. It's a lot of fun. Memes. Yeah, definitely memes. <laughs> God bless memes. Memes. So, again, thank you for everybody here at Over Under Fair to everybody listening. You guys are awesome, and we're going to do our best to give you more awesome next year. So, this has been Over Under Fair, and...